You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us in section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back. You can hit on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges throws. Out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei! Yes! 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 History! A perfect game by Mark Burley and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by 21. Pitch starts now. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to South Burbs Hitman. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel. I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms, Vinny Parisi, Chris Gonzalez, and Steven Zim Zimmerman. Cannot be here tonight. Before we bring on our guest, gentlemen. How you guys doing tonight? How you feeling about your Chicago White Sox? Vinny Parisi, why don't you get started? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, Dallas Keuchel serves up a grand slam in the first game. They can't really come back from that. They tried. Valiant effort. But if it weren't for that, we might be talking about them sweeping the New York Yankees. Instead, they take two or three. I'm all, I'm all good with that. The power rankings from MLB just came out today. The New York Yankees were still at the top of the list. I can't really say I blame them. It's an elite team, and it's an impressive series win for the White Sox. So I'm happy. Yeah, you got to feel good about it. Gonzo, you feeling pretty good about the week that was? Not just pretty good, but really good because the White Sox, since the beginning of May, have a record of 13-7, and seven, and that's third best in baseball, which is kind of surprising when, you know, if you if you say that to all of Sox Twitter, they wouldn't believe you, but that's the case at the moment, and the boys are off to a jump here, and I just think they're going to continue that uh, versus Boston and get rolling here. I know there's still, uh, still a couple more uh, tight series to come that are going to be really competitive, but... I like the momentum that the guys have going into uh, this next uh, week here. There you go, man. I love it. I love the positivity. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good as well. And I'm feeling pretty good about our guest tonight. Uh, It's the second time on the show. He's a sports producer at NBC Sports Chicago for the White Sox. Welcome Slavko Bekovic to the show. Slavko, thanks for being on again, brother. Happy to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. I had a, a blast last time, so let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's great to have you. And, you know, wh- while we're on the subject, the hot topic in all of sports world right now is Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson. Uh, it's safe to say that, jo- I'm sorry, it's safe to say that TA silenced the Yankees last night and Josh uh, comes back with a one game suspension from the MLB today against Josh Donaldson. And he's appealing it. I- I'm just curious your thoughts on the whole situation because it feels like it's um, escalating even after it's over. The P, the appeal is kind of like the PR thing to do. You know, you, you just do it and hope that they make a, a different decision or they lower this the fine or whatever it could be. 
Uh, I can't really see them not suspending him. Uh, that would sure. be a very bad look for Major League Baseball if the appeal came back. Maybe they lessen the fine. Uh, I don't think it was even disclosed what exactly what the fine was, but um, just a messy s- situation um, in general. Donaldson already doesn't have the best reputation across Major League Baseball, so for him to do something like this and uh, you know claim that it was an inside joke, he's he's a clown. Uh, yeah, he, he the the run-ins he's had with the White Sox are now countless. So. Um, the yeah. fact that, you know, you haven't even seen his own clubhouse come out and really back him hundred percent says all you need to know. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that went after Lucas Giolito in the parking lot <laughs> at guaranteed. Allegedly. Rate. Allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But, uh, and I was at that game at the Yankees game a couple weeks ago at home when TA and, and Josh Donaldson went at it at third base. And, uh, it's, it's definitely not the end of this. I think I have a feeling we're going to have this saga play up again come October. Well, We'll see how things play out by then. Hopefully we're that lucky. Um, but I'm going to bring in some of the rest of the guys here. Gentlemen, you know, T.A. has been kind of the straw that stirs the drink the last couple of weeks with the White Sox. Uh, Vinny Parisi, with a week like this and the schedule that is coming up, don't you feel like it's pretty pretty possible that this team could really get get on a roll now? I'm thinking Josh Donaldson started something good for the White Sox. I know he's a clown. I've used that word many times. I like hearing Slavko say the word clown. When you call, when you call someone a clown, they don't recover well from that. Like if you're a clown, <laughs> Josh Donaldson's a clown. Let's go back in time. 2021. 20, and Donaldson had run-ins with other teams. Lots of teams like to fight Josh Donaldson. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hates him. This is just specifically with the White Sox, though. He calls Lucas Giolito out for having one rough game against them last year after the spider tax stuff started to get cracked down on. And then Giolito comes back and calls Josh Donaldson a pest. Then Donaldson comes back and rips on the rest of the White Sox pitchers. And what does Dylan Cease do? He serves up a home run in the first inning against them and then shuts down the rest of the Minnesota Twins lineup the rest of the game. That was good motivation from the White Sox, especially allowing him to hit a home run right after. Then he allegedly goes after Lucas Giolito in the parking lot. I'm not sure how true that that story actually is, whether it's true or not, though. The fact that it's like something happened that led to that story being out there, whether whatever it is, you know, Josh Donaldson's a weirdo. Then he, the twins think so poorly of this guy that they trade him to a team. They decide you're no longer worth the money we're paying you anymore, that we're going to trade you to the team that has beaten us in the playoffs in 20 something straight games. Okay. So then he goes to the New York Yankees, right? And he's not the best player on that team anymore. He bats fifth in the lineup. That's probably perfect for a guy like Donaldson, who has up until 2020, 2021, a really nice career. There's an MVP. There's a couple of silver sluggers in there. Then this year, he has that little issue with Tim Anderson at third base. I'm not quite sure it's a mauling, as Ethan Katz described it on Twitter earlier today, or whatever word he used. But it was a play where Josh Donaldson was clearly being a D-bag. And then he comes out in this series at Yankee Stadium, calls T.A. Jackie, and the rest is history. It's just this guy's just a weirdo. And the fact that all of this in chronological order has happened, and then TA comes out with that game yesterday in game number two of the doubleheader, goes three for five. Game not game winning home run. It wasn't technically a game winning home run, but it made it feel like a win for the White Sox. That Tim Anderson keeps showing up. We could be talking about a really good week here. You asked me, that's a long-winded answer of how I think they're gonna do against Boston and Chicago. TA is gonna lead the way. And that kind of motivation for him, 
I think it's going to go a long way. I'm I'm not happy it happened. Josh Donaldson's a weirdo. I can't wait till he's not with baseball anymore. But you know, it is what it is. TA's on fire now because of it, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, and I know we'll talk specific stats later in the show for the pick the click segment. But I, I'd be remiss if I didn't pull up Tim Anderson's stats from the last week. This is insane. 10 for 21, 476, two stolen bags, four runs, six ribbies, and a homer. This dude is a machine. This is a guy that's got to be <laughs> can, – can he be stopped at this point? I mean, what? look what happens when you put a chip on this guy's shoulder. You know, Gonzo, I mean, what do you see here? I mean – even to begin this past week, I mean, I know Slav goes a part of the company, but he took a shot at Ozzy, and then we go through that whole dilemma, and then all of a sudden now in New York we have Josh Donaldson doing whatever he does, doing his thing. And Donaldson took a shot at Ozzy last year too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I meant to yeah. say that. I can't believe I forgot that part. That's like the biggest part. Who, who are you? <laughs> but it's just crazy how the week goes, and I mean – isn't it just right that that feeling that Timmy hits the walk off and feel the dreams, then this year goes to New York and just really just disrupts the series right in front of, you know, their fans in the Bronx. I think it was just a perfect ending to the series. Um, but to go off of Donaldson, I mean, it's not even just with the White Sox, but I'm not sure if it's, if I'm remembering this right, but I think in spring training, he had a little conflict with some of his teammates on TikTok or, or TikTok or one of the media platforms um, so it's just a really toxic culture with this guy. I mean, I, if I'm the Yankees and, you know, this is supposed to be a Monday night, or not Monday night, a Sunday night, you know, series on ESPN, and they're so East Coast, you know, on this team. And to have this uh, affect the franchise and to take yourself out of the, you know, doubleheader of a series, important series on the Sunday, um, I mean, I think it would have been a bold statement if the Yankees just DFA'd him. And say wow. we, can, we we can do better without you. Like we can we can you know either bring up a prospect in their farm system or whatever they I need to you. do at the trade. I love you, Gonzo. I I just don't I don't see them doing that. I mean, why I not? Mean, you're not going to win. It, but you're not going to win with those guys in your it, culture. If it stays toxic, I, I'm with them. I could see it. I mean, you got to like, think New York would would be. I mean, you, you're basically saying you lost that trade. You, you kind of already feel that way in some yeah. respect. But, you know, Urshela hasn't been tearing it up for the Twins, I guess, which is the good news for the Yankees. But, I mean, he had some clutch hits for them uh, last season. And he's the type of guy that you like to have and winning ball clubs like like to have. If I had to pick between one or the other, even just straight up, I want Urshela over Donaldson. And a lot of it has to do with, the clubhouse reasons and the reputation that Donaldson has and the things that he does and says. And don't forget, Vinny, the, the Donaldson White Sox stuff goes back even further than that. I think it was like 16. Uh, he was still with the Blue Jays and there was the whole like Daryl Boston whistle, uh, whatever That's the heck nice. that thing was. Like, yeah, I mean, call. he's just, he's just, uh, pest is a good word. Clown is a better word. Uh, piece <laughs> of, you know, what is the best word um, or phrase, I guess, but, you know, I'm telling you, he 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 has a bad reputation a lot across Major League Baseball. There's a reason guys in his own clubhouse aren't defending him, and it's not just like a a racial thing with what he said. It's it's a lot of his history uh, and his uh, you know philosophies or ideologies or whatever. He just doesn't really care. He's a Josh Donaldson first kind of guy, 
and the he fact is. that he went in to a team that he basically called out their number one pitcher last year with the whole spider tech thing. How is Garrett Cole and how are Garrett Cole and Josh Donaldson going to coexist other than the fact that they're the New York Yankees, so they have no choice. And it's so off brand for the Yankees too. I mean, they're always clean and cut mm-hmm. and he's like the opposite of that. So it just seems it well, physical like appearance oil and, and vinegar and guys are, are not the same thing. This is true. This is very true. Man, that's really deep, Slavko. I like that. <laughs> I, I, see what you're saying. I can't really I can't really remember a time. Who's the last like major a-hole Yankee? Nick Swisher, who like yeah. was on the White Sox too. <laughs> but so you know, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton. I feel like if they liked this guy, you would have heard something from them along the lines of even go back to A Rod. Yeah, yeah, A Rod. But like the fact that Judge didn't come out with anything, nobody asked him in the media, what do you think? And he didn't go, well, Josh is our teammate. We always have our back. He didn't hear that from anyone. But as far as TA, you got Liam Hendricks backing him up to the media, Yasmani Grandal starting it on the field and off the field, Tony LaRusso, Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly. Uh, yeah, to David Kaplan. Like it's just the, the amount of people who have stuck up for this guy is unbelievable. Tim Anderson, and it tells you everything you know need to know about the character of each individual. I think you nailed it, Vinny, with with Grandal specifically. The fact that he went out of his way to do that as soon as Donaldson came to the plate the next time up uh, shows the type of teammate and the type of guy that he is. You know, regardless of what you think of him as a player or or whatever or his demeanor, the fact that he came to TA's defense immediately, to, especially to a guy like Donaldson in Yankee Stadium, says a lot about him as a player. Uh, and I think, you know, Joe and I were kind of talking a little bit before we went live. It could be, and you mentioned it too, Vinny, it could be like a galvanizing thing for this team. That could be, you know, the moment that you look back on, back on in this season and say, wow, that's what really got this offense going, or that's what turned the season around, or that's what got this team to really become one and, and you know, go forward and, and get on a run. You know, we kind of thought for a little while it would be that ninth inning comeback against the Angels. And, you know, overall they have played much better baseball since then the offense obviously hasn't clicked yet but in what tim anderson has done you got to give him credit uh against the yankees anytime he's on the big stage like he backs up the talk he's a heck of a player um the the work that he's done to become the player that he is you can make a case he is probably the best white Sox player since paul canerco uh i think that would almost be unanimous at this point and i mean he's just so impressive he is. I mean, the guy just hits. I feel like I feel like he gets on base half the time. I feel I know it's not statistically true, but it feels like he's always on base. He's got a 400 OBP right now, and you know, thankfully he's gotten some walks in the last week. But outside of his defense, which he's really just – it's been in chunks where he has the errors come, his game has come so far the last four or five seasons, and he just works and works and works. And he's gotten really good at knowing – who he is as a player, especially at the plate. This is what my strengths are. I'm going to focus on that, and I'm going to do that. And anytime he's going right field, you know, like he's he, to me, he's a shoe in to hit 300 every year, and if not, 320 yeah. or more. Yeah, the is guy puts in the work. Say, is it fair to say that TA right now is kind of what we hoped Magical would become, and when he drafted him fourth overall? Like uh, a high average, a high contact, good BABIP, get on base. But the difference is the power. He slugs a lot more, 
and people were probably hoping that Madrigal would develop into something like that. That's just something I was thinking about earlier the other day. I or yeah, earlier the other day, and I wanted to mention to you guys. Magical was a little bit of a dis. I don't want to. Uh, disappointment's harsh because he wasn't here for very long. But sure. um, you know, we heard so much about the glove and the speed and the smarts, and you know, he just he didn't always have you know the best base running. He didn't always have um, you know a consistent glove or even just turning double plays. Little things. I do think you know. I know he's struggling with the Cubs right now. I think he's he's going to be a just fine baseball player. And to be honest, he's the type of guy that this White Sox lineup at least in theory on paper entering this season could have used as a second baseman batting ninth, high average guy. You know, I'd take him to, right now. Yeah. No, yeah, not to too. preach Tony, but uh, you know, the second leadoff man at the bottom of the order actually makes sense for a guy like him. Yes. Um, but I mean, Tim Anderson, you, when they drafted him, you didn't really know what you were getting, getting other than an athlete. And now you're getting this, I would say five tool player, you know, his defense comes and goes, but he's come such a long way from where he was four or five seasons ago. I mean, just an incredible play. I love watching the guy play. I love watching yeah. the guy play. And there's no doubt that as he goes, the White Sox go and this offense does nothing without him. There's no doubts about that. And, you know, moving on to the next topic of conversation, before we get to the segmented portion of our show, Got to dive in and talk about both starters in yesterday's game. Johnny Cueto, Michael Kopech, these guys brought it, and they shut down this Yankees lineup. You know, Johnny Cueto, a guy that was <laughs> kind of sitting on the wayside, pitching in AAA and trying to prove himself and get an opportunity. Uh, he comes up, and he's the first White Sox player in history, I believe, that uh, 12, I, be I believe it's 12 scoreless innings to start a season. I'd have to double check the stat, but uh, either way, it's ridiculous. Johnny Cueto just getting it done. Slavko, obviously, we know Michael Kopech's great. We'll talk about him in just a minute, but Cueto's a guy I didn't expect it from, and he's looking like a solid five for us uh, moving forward. I mean, what do you what well, do you think about Johnny Cueto? I mean, before we even get to Cueto, I like that we're sitting here on May twenty third, and and we just said we know Michael Kopech is great. Because there was a quite a while where we weren't entirely we sure what he was going to be, and it wasn't necessarily because of the talent, but, you know, the injuries and the off the field stuff and, you know, the role and, and a lot of bad luck in between them. But um, I'm really glad to see him progressing like the guy that he was, but, you know, back to Cueto, I'll be perfectly honest. I had no expectations for Johnny Cueto. Me uh, and I think probably I was a little bit biased because Ozzy loves to joke about Cueto. Like, you know, if you're, expecting to get a lot out of Cueto and for him to, you know, stick in this rotation, give you a lot of quality innings or pitch in big games down the stretch. I think we all probably would have agreed at the beginning of the season, something has gone wrong or, you know, there was an injury or somebody became a failure. I, I don't know how to maybe categorize it. I'm still not entirely sold. He's going to be here pitching in four more months at the end of September, sure. but you take what you can get out of him right now. And as long as he's eating innings and giving you quality outings, what more can you ask for? Yeah, I think that's I think that's it in a nutshell, and uh, just a pleasant surprise. Uh, definitely more so than Dallas Keuchel, who has been the opposite. Although I do want to give Dallas a little bit of a break. That grand slam he gave up is an out in the majority of major league parks. Uh, I think it went 312 feet, if I remember correctly, something along the lines of that. Um, that's just it crazy. Was the unicorn home run, according to? at would it dong which is a account on twitter that's like an automated account it tells you 
what home runs would be home runs in X number of parks. It was a unicorn home run. It was the only stadium it would have gone out in. Yeah, so there I'm you go. Now you take that PA was a unicorn. Yeah, you take you you, you take that uh, you take that home run out of the equation. You know, Dallas's start isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point that out. Don't love Dallas, but I don't. I think he's starting to put it together. That that wasn't a great start. I'm going to give it to him. But that grand slam is usually an out, a long out, mind you. But it's usually an out. Um, but getting back to to Michael Kopech, Slavko. I mean, he's putting together just a majestic start to the year. I mean, this guy looked untouchable against the Yankees. I believe he gave up one hit and two walks in seven innings. I mean, well, do you see anything different out of him this year other than he's just more prepared and healthy? Opportunity. That's that's the only difference is he's finally getting it. I mean, we saw what he did in, in limited starts last year. Granted, it was like three innings at a time, and I think he only made four starts last season in the spot starter kind of role. Um, but it's just opportunity. We've always known – the stuff was there. We've always known here when he's on the pitching rubber, there's very few guys in major league baseball that have that same mentality. He's here's what I got. Go ahead, hit it. My best stuff is going to be your best swing every single time. That's the, that's the mindset that he has. Uh, and congrats to him on the, on the birth of his, uh, his child. So that's amazing. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's going to factor into maybe his maturity uh, on and off the field. And, you know, you see these things happen with guys the first time they have a kid, it's like there's this revelation in their life and, you know, they kind of reprioritize and refocus and all of a sudden their career takes off. I'm not, you know, prognosticating that for Kopech, but um, I mean, he's pumping a hundred against the Yankees. I know he was juiced up. Granted the weather finally was nice. That helps. You're at Yankee stadium. You're in a national game or national TV broadcast. So all those things kind of factored into it. Plus, game two of a doubleheader. I mean, the Yankees had kind of like a C minus lineup for them. Uh, so sure. you expect, and and that's what you want. It's good to have those standards and that bar is set for high, uh, really high for Kopech right now. It's good to see him getting you know kind of deeper into ball games and getting stretched out. Um, I'm not concerned with his ability to keep up this production. I'm a little bit concerned with you know the longevity and. And they're going to have to manage those innings. And, you know, I think yeah. it was it two starts ago when he got yanked and, you know, was kind of visibly upset at Tony for, for pulling the trigger on him. That's a good sign. I love seeing that for my pitchers. We Me saw too. it with Dylan Cease too. Like, you know, one of the things that Ozzy I think was great at as a manager is especially bringing along young pitchers and letting them either succeed or fail in crunch time rather than pulling the plug very quickly. John Garland was a beneficiary of that. Uh, Gavin Floyd, he helped kind of um, become a very good major league pitcher. Maybe he never reached the ceiling that we thought when he was a, a young starter and a top prospect. But I love to see that out of Kopech. I love to see that out of Cease. The, you know, the, the talent in the rotation, that's like the one thing that's kind of on cruise control. You just know you're more than likely, let's say we have six guys now, you know, outside of Keuchel, you feel pretty good. Every single night, you're going to get a, a quality start with something close to it out of these guys. Yeah, and I don't think any of us saw it, saw it coming, but uh, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Um, I, I I want to touch on one thing towards the end of that start. Uh, he had some. It looked like he had some blisters coming on his hands. So I think that's something maybe they'll have to keep an eye on and up for his next start. Curious to see when he's going to play. I think they might hold him until eh, maybe they'll maybe he'll start Sunday against the Cubs at home. We'll see, but. Uh, yeah, it's just been a great, great, great run from Michael Kopech, uh, especially after everything he went through, taking the season off with COVID, 
taking that time to get right mentally. Uh, it's just a great story, and uh, hopefully it continues to be the, the majestic run that it is right now. So what do you guys uh, but, think happens when, when Lynn comes back? That's a great question. Um, obviously, Lynn's going to be a starter in this rotation. So I think they got a, I think they got a DFA Keuchel. I, I, I hate to say it because he's not going to be a bullpen guy. Vinny, I, you, I know you're very strongly opinionated about this, Vinny. I'll talk to you, but I think we're on the same page probably about Keiko, right? If it were up to me, the Chicago White Sox would show the world that they are serious about winning. We have seen teams, New York Mets come to mind. They DFA'd Cano and didn't look back. He was with the Padres like two days later, who are also a pretty good team. But it's not historically evident that the White Sox will do something like that. That's why I hesitate to just predict that they will. If it were up to me, I would DFA and move Vince Velasquez to the bullpen and run um, Giolito, Cease, Kopech, Lynn, Cueto, in whatever order you want, whatever order based on matchups, whatever. Um, when if when and if Cueto, you know, stops going twelve scoreless at a time, that's I think an issue with DFA and Keiko, and that's probably in the back of Rick Hahn's mind. If I were him, that would be in the back of my mind. Okay, well, what happens when Cueto stinks? Well, then my rebuttal to that, though, is how can you get much worse than what Dallas Keiko has provided this year? Because Cueto was on a 107-win San Francisco Giants team last year, and they didn't seem to have too many issues with him. I know another year older didn't have you know the typical offseason that – he has probably been used to in years past, but I don't know. Cueto, he feeds me with a lot more confidence as of right now. I think that's probably recency bias, but Keiko, man, the soft contact, the defense isn't that good behind him. I don't give him a pass for the short porch only because he walked the nine-hitter on a non-competitive pitch to turn it over to LeMahieu, and yeah. any contact was scoring a run, so it doesn't matter if it hit the short porch or was a double or anything. Multiple runs were scoring that was going to put the White Sox down by multiple runs anyway. So it's just like, to me, How do you I just really can't feel, feel it. though? I, ex I, yeah, I know. I get excited Vinny's about passionate this about his hate for Dallas I get excited Keiko. about this stuff. I just really... It was a bad pitch. It was yeah, a bad pitch. And no he, he would, doubt. He, it was over the heart of the plate. The problem with Keiko is he just doesn't have the stuff when he misses to get away with it. Um, yeah. The guy that we saw in 20 who had pinpoint control, we don't know where he is. He thinks he can get back to that. He's if gone. he could, this is now a totally different ball game. If you get the 11 starts from Keuchel in 2020 with the White Sox and you put him on this year's team and in this rotation, that's a totally different story. But he's not been that guy. The control to me is my biggest concern. His last four outings, three walks, three walks, he had one against Boston, who was just a terrible offense at that time before they've kind of picked it up lately, um, thanks to Trevor Story. And then five walks <laughs> before that against the Angels. I mean – you, that you can't get away with that. And walks, the walks are the killer with this team. They aren't Always. drawing them offensively, and they're giving up too many uh, with the pitching. And the starting pitching has been pretty good. You know, it's more of an issue with the bullpen. But, you know, I, I think you nailed it, Vinny, that Rick Hahn is sitting there thinking, okay, if we know – if it was a video game, Keiko's out the door, no question asked, because you know you're going to get whatever from Cueto every single time. You cannot count on that right now. And – I hate to say it, but with the injury history of this team in recent years, you just need the arms. Um, I, I, I personally think the more starters that you can get right now, the better. 
to one, keep innings down for Kopech and Cueto. The, the more sure. that you can kind of keep them fresh and give them extra rest is, is better. Um, and I know Kopech has that mentality. He wants it every fifth day. He wants to go nine innings every single time. And I love that. But you have to, as a organization, manage him and make sure that he's there in October when you really need him. Granted, they need him right now because the team's not been what we were expecting. But um, I think a six-man rotation makes a lot of sense. I said that last year that they should have kept Rodon and re-signed Lynn and, and um, brought Kopech into the rotation this year and done a six-man because Rodon is always great on extra rest. Kopech would have been on an innings limit, would have made a lot of sense. So I, I think you, as much as it's easy to say, you know what, get Keiko out of here and, and, and move on, it's just it's not something that it's just easily done. Yeah, the injuries have been taking a toll on this White Sox team, not just physically, but also mentally, especially for Rick Hahn. So I think, yeah, I think you're onto something there, Slavko. And who knows, maybe if Keiko puts together a few good starts, maybe a team wants him in uh, July and you package him in some sort of deal for another arm. I don't know. You know, I know that's a bit of a pipe dream at this point, but you never know. <laughs> what kind of message does that send to your, to your clubhouse, though, if you're in contention and you deal, you know, a veteran starting pitcher? It's – you know, in theory, yeah, it makes sense if you can get some assets or, you know, maybe you can do a deal for a major league or something, you know, like a Kimbrel uh, Pollock, something along those lines. But what is Keiko's value yeah, uh, in it's... return as opposed to what he can give you potentially on the mound, even if it's just eating innings as a piggybacker or, you know, whatever that might be? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and, I, and I know some people point to the fact that Keiko hasn't been the greatest teammate and some of the comments about Tony and you know, all that, but yeah, I'm with you. He's a veteran. And I think that kind of goes a long way, especially when it comes to October. I mean, that's single-handedly, you could argue why they traded for AJ Pollock. They needed that veteran guy that can help you down the stretch. And I know he had as a cold start, AJ Pollock, a notorious cold starter, but uh, look at him now. He had a great week and uh, I think he's going to help us down the stretch. A little bit of a rant there, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> They're also short on guys with playoff experience. That's another X or that's another like con to DFA and Kaiba. I mean, who has significant playoff success on this roster? Yasmani Grandal's been deep in the postseason. I believe with the Brew Crew, they made it to the NLCS, then got bounced. But then following that, AJ Pollock won a World Series. Dallas Keiko is a World Series champion, Cy Young Award winner. Um, Joe Kelly's won two World Series with two different teams, which is nice. But, I mean, outside of those guys, I'm kind of blanking. Harrison was with Pittsburgh. They had a couple good teams early on, but then were a stinky for a while. So, for the most part, Keuchel at least has a voice, a way of advice, something for these guys, you would hope. Yeah. Whether, whether you, you, you know, love them or not as a teammate, in that moment when you're in October and, you know, maybe there's somebody that needs to speak up and he's that guy, you can't really knock him and his voice or his presence at that moment because he's been through pretty much all of it exactly that's right so we've gotten to the segmented portion of the show and this is the part of the show where we talk about our old buddy the manager tony la Russa. did he have a good week did he have a bad week did we love it did we hate it we talk about it all during la Russa's locker <laughs> Yes, that's right. We got to talk about our buddy Tony Larusa. 
and we'll let our guest go first, Slavko. Oh, we're just goodness. curious, uh, just curious, how, your critique of Tony Larusa. There's been some crazy lineups. There's been some interesting conversations. Uh, how you feeling about Tony right now? Oh, I know it's a big question. Take a deep breath. Um, <laughs> I he makes a lot of decisions that make me scratch my head. Um, granted almost every single time I can either predict his logic and what he's going to say or how he's going to vindicate it, or I can understand his logic after he says, you know, his reasoning or his vindication. A lot of these things that he says make sense in some world. It may not be every White Sox fan's world, but in Tony LaRusso's world, a guy who's won 2000 plus games as a manager, um, there's a lot of things that he's done right in his career. So in general, especially early in a season, I tend to um, be a little bit more lenient with some of the decisions that he makes. I think for me, the the head scratchers are some of the philosophical things that he's been doing. Um, I Number one that comes to mind is the super short leash extra inning. Uh, I think we saw it the other day with Cueto and bringing him out in the seventh inning. I It drives me nuts. I'm a firm believer in clean innings for relief pitchers. The cleaner an inning, the better. Let them get out of the bullpen. Let them run their little behinds out over the outfield and onto the mound and have a clean start. Give them a one, two, three chance for a clean inning. I don't understand bringing a starting pitcher out in the hopes that he's going to have another one, two, three inning, magically get you an extra inning and, and save your bullpen a little bit. If you're going to do that, you not only have to have one guy up, you have to have two guys up because it depends on how short of a leash he's going to get. Uh, like in a Kopech or Cease example, it seems like if it's one guy gets on base to start the inning, immediate yank. Cueto, it seems he was a little bit more lenient. Granted, the pitch count, I think, was a little bit lower than what we've normally seen. Two singles, he gets yanked. Give your relievers a clean inning. I don't like the super short leash that he does. Number one. Number two... With the lineups, again, I generally understand what he's trying to accomplish. There's no reason Andrew Vaughn should be hitting eight or nine. Amen. When Mankata looks like he does right now, he shouldn't be hitting number two. Andrew Vaughn's been making a lot of contact. Andrew Vaughn been putting together good at-bats. Let him bat second. Just stick with T.A., Vaughn, and Robert, one, two, three. Vaughn doesn't have to play first base or right field or left field. Or you can put him wherever you want position-wise, but at least give him some sort of consistency with the lineup. Pretty much every former major league player I've ever spoken to likes to know day in and day out where they're going to hit, what position they're going to play. Baseball players are creatures of habit. They are regimented. They like their routine. They like to know what's going. They like to know what's going, what's, you know, what to ex- ex- uh, expect. I think Tony sometimes fails, especially with relievers, to define roles and to maybe set um, expectations for for players. You know, Larry's playing every other position every other day, and he's batting anywhere from one through nine. Okay, I like Larry Garcia. It's not his fault that he's in the lineup every day. So people that take out their frustrations on Larry – need to go the hell away because you're just wrong, period. I don't care what you have to say or what your argument is. He is a super utility player. He should be used as such. It is not his fault 
that Tony is hitting him second or fourth or whatever it is, or that he's playing every day. Granted, Larry has come up with quite a few big hits lately, and I, I'm glad to see some of that criticism slowly kind of simmer away. Yeah. Um, I know this is like a very long kind of rant, but like Tony just does these things that irk the living heck out of me. And I just, I understand his reasoning, but it's just like, just make up your mind. And this is the guy who basically created what the modern bullpen has essentially become. Right. Granted, the last like four or five years, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, with shorter outings from your starters, et cetera, et cetera. But why is Matt Foster one day working an eighth inning up one as your setup man, and then two days later in the sixth inning down two and you know, with two on and two out? I, I just, you know, I don't understand what the roles are out of the bullpen. I don't understand. I think 37 games, they had 37 different lineups to start the season. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't, yeah. I, I like Tony. I tend to give him a lot of benefit of the doubt because he's earned it, but man, like just, man, I, <laughs> that's all I got. I don't know, man, it's just man. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much sums it up when it comes to Tony. I think we all just kind of scratch our head. Vinny, I know you've been very passionate lately about TLR and his, wherewithal and crazy lineups. Uh, why don't you head and take it away? The last week has been kind of brutal in your mind, right? Yeah. So I kind of have like two sides to my Tony LaRusa opinion. The first side is just strictly managerial stuff, right? Um, I hated the fact that against the Kansas city Royals in a doubleheader, the only two players that played both games at their starting position were Leary Garcia and Josh Harrison arguably the two worst players in the starting lineup on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Like I'm with Slavko. I think they're both fine players. Leary Garcia as a 26th man on a world series championship team is a thing in my opinion, but Tony doesn't use him as such. I don't understand why, you know, he loves the guy. You might remember last year, uh, someone referred to him as a utility player and Tony LaRusso like bit their head off. He yeah. like got legitimately pissed off at them for saying that. So I understand the Leary love is there, but it's not necessarily the best when it comes to lineup strategy. In my opinion, I'm I, that was a head scratcher. Vaughn, Moncada, and Anderson each only played one game that day, but here's Leary and Harrison playing two. This is baseball, guys, especially with some of the days off that the White Sox have had. I don't understand some of these off days. This week too, man. They got two headers. off days this week. Exactly. And so thank you very much. If they're yeah, if they're if they're resting guys against Boston or even the Cubs, then I just don't know what to tell you. And then there are a couple, you know, in-game lineup managerial decisions. Slavko brought up the bullpen. You know, if they he pinch hit Adam Angle and nobody liked it on Twitter, and then boom, Adam Angle base hit scores a run. You know, stuff like that does work sometimes. They say uh or a blind squirrel finds a nut, you know, every now and then. But I don't think that's necessarily the case with Tony. He did win 2,000 games, three World Series championships, a plethora of division titles. But, you know, we'll see how it goes as the season goes along. We had similar complaints in April and May last year, and then they kind of died down as the weather got hot and nobody really critiqued him in the playoffs too much. Dusty Baker made worse decisions. That might be – why and the Astros just won base because they were simply a better team. But I think Tony was probably equal to the task as Dusty in the playoffs last year. But then bring it over to like the human being side of things. When Tony was first hired back in 2020, I think it was like November, uh, December, 
people were like, oh, how's he going to connect with the guy like Tim Anderson? Well, since then, Tim Anderson's become like a lightning rod in this organization, and Tony has done nothing other than have this guy's back. T.A. referred to him as a best friend. We've heard Tim Anderson hold back on no one that he don't like, whether it be Brad Keller, Josh Donaldson, anyone that crosses Tim Anderson's path, he has no clue telling the media how he feels about it. So for him to come out and say that about Tony LaRusa calling him a best friend, it kind of makes me wonder if Tony has, I don't want to say changed as a person because, you know, he was probably fine 10, 15 years ago. I'm not, necessarily remembering every little Tony LaRusa bit from the last time he managed before the White Sox. But, you know, he proved me wrong in the human being aspect. You know, he connects with Tim Anderson. He has his guys backs. He he didn't say a disrespectful comment. He straight up said a racist comment. Hearing that from Tony LaRusa's mouth made me smile. So I have many issues with his in-game strategic there's no other word than nonsense in my opinion for some of it, but in terms of having his guys back and being a leader of men, I, I gotta say some of the words I heard on Saturday evening were kind of uplifting for me. Yeah. It's a, and it's, and it's, it's a good feeling. Gonzo, I know you're not on camera, but what do you feel about Tony this week? You know, this is Tony's and that's not me just, you know, Patting his back, but he's like the first manager I actually enjoy for over a decade now. Probably since Ozzy, to be honest with you, with going through the Ventura days and then you didn't Ricky. Like Von, you didn't like Robin Ventura? Come on. <laughs> no. God, no. But, you love mediocrity. You know, it took me. <laughs> yeah, I know, Vinny. But um, it took me a while last season, um, really as his full season, because in that quitting season with Ricky and everything that happened that season with him blowing up the last week of the season, losing the division and bullpen rolls that he managerial decisions with the bullpen um, that he made. Um, It took me a full season with Tony to understand decisions he made early on the season and how that fact that impacted the season there with taking like a third or half of triple a and winning 90 games. Um, with what he did and now i can understand why early on he's given guys new roles or roles that you know we want to expect them to um but you also have to understand that him coming back in baseball now he also has to deal with load management and that's something he didn't have to deal with before when he was with the cardinals and a's um and losing gosh two or three of your best hitters in the lineup to the best arms in your rotation and your fifth man, the rotation that just getting banged up every other start is taxing your bullpen. And then you're, you're also losing bullpen arms with crochet and bummer. So you're also going more in depth into your bullpen and you're throwing names, you know, in tight games, you're throwing Burr and Ruiz out there to, mm-hmm. do, you know, go through clean, try to get through clean frames. And then you have to rely on Joe Kelly. Like, you paid him to do so to come back, but you got to go to Joe Kelly coming back in tight games too because that's just a guy you can hopefully rely on coming back. Um, I know we dogged on him last week, but this week I loved, absolutely loved um, him bouncing back. Um, but, yeah, all together. I think, I think that's thing, what's got to happen. Yeah, that's got to happen on this team. Yeah. The only thing um, I don't like – 
seeing from Tony is seeing um, Laurie so high up in the lineup. And that's really the only thing I would dog on him for. Now, Vaughn, like I said last week, Vaughn, ideally, yeah, going from June through the rest of the season, I'm sure he's going to be up in the lineup. But I absolutely understand, like how I told you last week, that when you have two-thirds of your lineup underperforming and not converting with runners in scoring position, I understand why you put your third-best batter and your ninth. You're trying to get more depth in your lineup, and you're trying to put him in situations where he either gets on for Timmy to drive him or he's converting runs himself. And it's kind of funny when I see Tony going old school and doing a hit and run because he believes in the kid and the kid and the kid converts. Like I understand the situation that Vaughn is in right now. And I know Vinny, me and you kind of went at a little bit and you, you say, you know, he's raking and triple A or whatnot. He comes up. But when you're dealing with that wrist injury, that matters at the plate with dealing that with that wrist injury. So you got to come back a little bit slower. And I believe that's only the right thing, putting him lower in the lineup, working him back into it. And then sure enough, you know, in this week, he did go back into the three-hole and did decent there. But I just think depending on how the situation is with the lineup and guys that he has available, I think he's playing it right. Um, I just think yeah. all together that when, when this team gets rolling, this team's really going to be rolling. And this, as you can tell with this lineup this past week, they, I think Jay Kuda on Twitter put that the batting average has now met the league average this past week. And <laughs> if we're winning, if we're winning a five to three series on the road, just imagine when those bats are really booming and this rotation continues to go. Like, it's just, I think they're going to be on a roll shortly here. Yeah, no, I think we're aligned there. <laughs> uh, this this team is definitely uh, hopefully turning a corner. But uh, there's a few guys that didn't quite turn the corner this week. Right, Vinny? Oh, Vinny, you're on mute. That, I, I love when that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, when guys think, you know, like Josh Donaldson, Josh Donaldson would fit into this perfectly if he were a member of the Chicago White Sox, but he's not. So we're going to talk about White Sox players that kind of stunk in the last week in the Adam Dud of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Lousy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. Uh, yes, there are quite a few White Sox players this week that deserve to be on this list. Uh, Vinny, I will let you go first in your nomination here. Um who you have for your Adam Dud of the week? Who pooped the bed this week? Yeah, so there are a couple players to choose from. And the one I'm going to talk about is somebody who is a very intriguing player. Whenever you tweet about him, you got 50 people either – or 50% of the people agreeing with you, 50% of the people disagreeing with you. I don't know if I remember a more polarizing player just simply based on baseball-related things. There are plenty of polarizing players that you know have off-the-field reasons people defend them or whatnot, but I'm strictly talking baseball. That's Yoan Moncada. This last week, three for 25, batting average of 129 strikeouts, zero RBIs, one run scored. The best moment of his week – was a bunt down the line against the shift that ended up with a double. 
and then the White Sox offense pooped the bed following it, and they got no <laughs> runs out of it. But that was his best moment of the week. The week before, though, he was awesome. And so he's been back for two full weeks now. One of the weeks was awesome. He was in the player of the week, uh, put on the board player of the week. Then this week, second week, stunk of the bed, Adam Dutt of the week. Um, I need more from Yohan Moncada. I don't need him to be the guy he was in week one, but I don't need him to be the guy he is in week two either. Let's find a nice middle ground for Yohan Moncada. We already recognize that Michael Kopech is probably the better of the two pieces now in return for Chris Sale just because I think Michael Kopech is like an all-world pitcher and will be for a long time. I love his stuff. But Yoan Moncada, if he's the sixth or seventh best position player on this team, that means you got a really good team. And, you know, hit 20 home runs. You might not reach that missing the first month of the season. We'll see. He didn't last year playing the whole season. But, you know, be durable. Uh, every single time something happens, it seems like he's wincing his body language kind of bugs a lot of people sometimes. I really don't care as long as he produces. But that's my Adam Dutt of the week. I certainly think playing against the team that traded him this week might give him some added motivation. It would if it were me. But yeah. then you got the Cubs after. He always plays well against the Cubs. First career home run against the Cubs. Um, I like Yoan to bounce back. Certainly not going to pick him for my pick to click later. Hint, hint. But... I definitely think there's more we can expect from this guy. He has all the tools in the world. He's one of the most frustrating players to watch too because Slavko brought up T.A. with his five tools. I know the defense is suspect sometimes, but there are also flashes where he looks like Derek Jeter. Yoan Moncada has the same stuff, and it just bugs me so much when he doesn't hit well. Slavko, you didn't like that comment at all, did you? No, Derek Jeter. Of all the guys, you—that's who your your. I was going to say something too. Was like, what wait, are, okay, so chose? you're you're on team Derek Jeter was overrated defensively. Derek Jeter was overrated. Period. Okay, uh, yes. most definitely overrated though. defensively. Okay, maybe I accurately said um, Derek Jeter though, because TA is not really much better than Derek Jeter defensively, okay. even though he. I, you know, I, I understand. I, you know, if I was looking for like the all-time great defensive shortstop. I would have said one. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are good options. Actually. Yeah, I would have said Ozzy Smith, but that's just me. Yeah, no, yeah, no bias sure. in the Gian or Uribe take whatsoever. But you know, go Sox guys. Hey, the Sox are apparently kicking the tires on Juan Uribe Jr. I was reading. It's not just kicking the tire tires. I'm being told like it's a thing, like it's going to happen. Oh, there you go. The, the, the Wait, Uribe legacy. Say... Juan Uribe Jr. He's going to sign with the gotcha. White Sox. I thought yeah. you were talking about Daddy Uribe. I'm like, wait, what did I miss? Oh, <laughs> he's <Uribe>. back. <laughs> uh, uh, no. White Sox, Kenny Williams and the White Sox love their, uh, you know, the lineage lines. Yeah. Uh, yes, they we're, do. We're still, we're still, we're still trying to pimp the youngest Tatis brother like he's the next best thing. So yep. hopefully that pans out too. <laughs> yeah. Well, great, great pick for the dud, uh, Vinny. Slavko, I'm curious who you have for your Adam Dud of the week. Someone that just didn't didn't stand up to par for you. Uh, everyone in the lineup batting two through nine. <laughs> it's true. It's uh, true, man. This this offense for about two weeks was being carried by Luis Robert and Tim Anderson. Uh, Luis Robert has since cooled down. Um, you know, they had that night against Severino. He had a just really tough night at the plate. Um, it seems like his inconsistency comes and goes in waves. I'm not singling out Robert specifically, but um, 
it seems like sometimes he's just so locked in and he knows when and where to attack and when to be aggressive and which pitches he's going to hit. And then other times it just seems like he's up there flailing at everything, um, which yeah, it's going to come with he's, Yeah, he's still a very young player. He's still very raw as far as major league experience. So I am not concerned whatsoever with Luis Robert himself. What I am concerned with is the fact that the White Sox are like bottom five in batting average with runners in scoring position. They are ungodly awful with the bases loaded. Um, and in the month of May, they've left on more runners on base than any team in Major League Baseball. Um, those are major issues. The positive is we finally saw some clutch late inning hitting with the Pollock homer, the TA homer, Adam Angle coming through. Those are good signs. Abreu's starting to come around. Like he's not, you know, the MVP from 2020, which whether you like it or not, there's an asterisk next to that. It was 60 games and it was at the end of the season. And, you know, it, it worked out well. I love Abreu, but we did a breakdown in the pregame show earlier this week or last week. His numbers against fastballs the last two seasons are there's a crazy decline in what he's done against fastballs, his slugging percentage, his batting average. Um, that's a major concern because he's not getting any younger and he's not getting any, you know, he's not going to get better. Um, so two through nine, the clutch hitting, not, it's not been there. And if you take TA out of this lineup, you're talking about an offense that's worse than what the Tigers are trotting out there. Thankfully they've come back and tied the game four, four against the twins tonight. But, um, the Tigers are averaging under three runs a game. I think they have like 19 home runs as a team last I looked in like 36 games. It, it was absurd. Um, so yeah, the the timely hitting, that's the dud right now. That's the reason why this team is struggling. You're getting the starting pitching. The bullpen has been good enough for the most part on the whole. Um, you're not getting those clutch hits and that's where infectious hitting comes from the hits in the big moments is what helps you get over that hump when you're slumping and when you're struggling as a team. But what we've seen so much out of this offense and this lineup is Two men on, you know, bases loaded. They're not even getting a run home with the bases loaded and nobody out. It's unacceptable. And that's like, I, I don't really know how you fix that until you got to, you know, just have a little luck go your way and get off the schneid. I think that doubleheader in New York is going to go a long way. The TA homer, the Pollock homer. I think you're seeing Abreu start to come around. Grandal, Maybe, maybe not. You know, it was good to see him hit that home run in Kansas City, but, you know, his extra base hits are too few and far between. But I think the Donaldson thing and, and him defending T.A., that'll be a galvanizing thing. I, I, I have a good feeling about where this team is headed. I don't know that I have a good feeling on the whole about the offense yet um, because they are. What happens if T.A. goes through a slump? How, how much worse someone else is going to have to pick it up yeah yeah but who can you point pinpoint right now i mean vaughn to me i know everybody seems to have like already anointed him as a you know a, a great major league hitter and i think he will get there i think he has all the tools and qualities to do that he's not proven it yet over 162 games whether you 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 know think he's great or not he's not done that that's simply a fact i think he's going to be just fine i think he might have the best hitting talent on this team. And that includes Tim Anderson just because of the, the spectrum of the power and the extra base hits and what he could potentially be with getting walks. And I mean, he could be a 300, 400, 500 kind of guy. Like, I mean, he's got all those tools. I, 
Mankata, the reason he's polarizing is because if he hits a home run or if he strikes out on three pitches, his body language is exactly the same. And White Sox fans hate that. They do not like a guy who doesn't look angry when he strikes out or who, you know, doesn't celebrate enough when he hits a home run. And I think there's this reputation with Mankata that he's like not a baseball guy or he doesn't really care or just because you have, you know, little emotion doesn't mean that you, you know, you don't care. He's, he's there. He's trying. It is frustrating to watch though in a big moment when he has a bad at bat and strikes out and then he just walks away like nothing happened. Like, does it help if he's just really pissed and breaks his bat over his leg? No. Will it make feel, people feel better? Maybe, I guess, but the result is still the same. So why does it really matter? And I'm guilty of it too. I think Yohan Mankata, like you said, Vinny, has all the tools. I think he's so polarizing because of the fact that you watch him and you think, like, does he even care? Like, sometimes it's just he walks into the batter's box and doesn't swing his bat and takes his seat after a strikeout. And that's frustrating to watch. By the way, Look at over the last four games, uh, four years, who's played more games, Yohan Moncada or Tim Anderson, and ask why one has a reputation and one doesn't as far as injury-prone or wincing. He was second on the team in games played last year. Yeah. Only one above him, notorious Ironman Jose Abreu. Yeah. I agree with that completely. He's not as endurable as people say. He started this season off with an injury, so people automatically remember 2020 – Right. And a couple stretches in 2019, but I'm with you. Yeah, he's just inconsistent. But that's a that's a great call for your for the dud. Everyone that's not Tim Anderson, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you know it's a good vibe, uh, but hopefully one that's going to not be the case this upcoming week. Uh, Gonzo, you're sitting in the wings, but who you got for you, your dud player of the week? A part of me wants to say Frank Machado just. For getting the better approach for our runners in the scoring position with their like hitters, Makino or Makino, my bad, Mochaccino, as we call him, Mochaccino, Frappuccino. But uh, no, I'm gonna go with the uh, Vince Vasquez. Um, and a start that you should probably do better versus the Royals, he just fell apart. And I know you guys were talking earlier about the rotation, but I think he's the first one to lose his job in the rotation just because of the payroll. Mm. Um, they can probably get more efficient with that plus i don't think han at the moment i think he's too egoistic to make to take responsibility of, of his mistakes um this past off season with the payroll um and the, you know the losses and the gains of our rotation that i don't think he's going to dfa keiko first i think that's going to be later on near the deadline if he's going to do that um so yeah, Vince Velasquez, if you're still going to be in a rotation, you got to be more efficient with your outings. Um, and that's all I got to say with Vince. Good call. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm going to go a slightly different route. Uh, someone that Slavko mentioned, I'm going to go with Yasmani Grandal. Uh, only five for 25, 192, 5Ks, one ribby, zero runs scored. He didn't even really, he's not even walking as much as he does usually. Um, he's just not seeing the ball right now. Maybe he'll turn things around this upcoming week. Um, but usually when Yaz is walking, this team is scoring runs. So uh, hopefully he can get his batter's eye back. Not that it's gone, but just a rough week. Um, but, you know, he's a slow starter. Yaz was last year, and he turned it turned it on. So we can only hope that he can do that now. And I think a couple games against – 
the Red Sox and then the Cubs might be might just do the trick. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Yaz as my dud of the week. Uh, there's a couple an honorable mention. I'm going to go and give it to Ryan Burr. Um, you know, he had a rough outing, <laughs> real rough outing to say the least. Um, I mean, not a lot of brutal performances from pitching this week outside of Burr and Keuchel. So that's always a, a positive, but um, we mentioned Luis Robert, the 11 K's is uh is really eye-opening for how rough of a week he had at the plate and he still hit 200 and he still had four rbi which is, is wild so that just tells you how good for the white Sox this season that sadly i know that's why that's why i couldn't list him as a dud he's just an <laughs> honorable mention even with 11 k's you if i would have told you Luis robert struck out 11 times in a week i don't think i would have thought he would have bat still bat 200 <laughs> i'll take 200 as Luis roberts like dud week though no yeah. doubt. And you, you, you made and me still think of four. Yeah, exactly. And one of his bombs was like one of those pretty ones where he just watched against the Royals, I want to say it was. So uh, you it didn't even up, hit it that hard. It just kind of like I thought it was I don't know. I still I, I, I tweeted Luis Robert just accidentally hit the ball to Pluto. He didn't, <laughs> it didn't even look like he used his legs in the swing. Obviously, he did a little bit, but it, it wasn't one of those like swings where when he swings, you just know it's going five million feet then they show the camera of the ball just fall out i'm like this guy's so strong it's on he he kind of held it and he was off balance like watching the ball fly he knew he he knew he got it well enough that it was going to go i mean it only went five or six rows up in kc but i mean a huge home run but the fact that he's that he has that kind of raw power is insane so it makes you think of like three years from now, four years from now, when he's really fine-tuned at the plate. Robert still hasn't had like a fully-blown normal season. He had the COVID-shortened 2020 season where he came second in Rookie of the Year. Then there was 2021 where he missed the first half of the entire season. Then there's been this year where he's been awesome. But, you know, what happens three years from now when he's got three or four straight 140-plus game, we hope, seasons behind under his belt? The fact that he's doing that is just unreal. It really is. He's, he's he's performing at the highest level right now. Hopefully he can stay that way. Maybe he can improve his arm a little bit in the outfield, but I you know, other than that, he's he's got I'm he's, glad that you mentioned that. I think he skates by a little bit too much on I don't I'm not gonna say laziness or um you know, being lackadaisical, but he does not have the greatest like mechanics or technique in the outfield. And I'm glad Gordon Beckham called him out on it. I think it was that series in uh, – it was against the Royals. Yeah, like they – approaching balls when he's no – when he knows runner's going to tag, he doesn't go through the ball and catch with his momentum towards the throw. Kind of plays things a little bit too casually sometimes. And teams are picking up on that and they're starting to run on him and they're trying to take that extra base. He cost the White Sox three bases in that series, and I'm glad Gordon yep. Beckham pointed it out. Because um, he's – we know he's a – tremendous center fielder he makes things look so easy he's so smooth out there he goes and gets every ball in the gap i mean he's he's amazing but you have to be at 100 percent every single time because those things it might fly in may against the royals but in october against the astros those are going to turn into much bigger innings than what is happening right now i'm so happy you said all that and like you said I think he's one of the best defensive center fielders. I mean, you won a gold glove in his rookie year. I know it was only 60 games, but he deserved it. And everybody else had 60 games too. So it's not like he was at some kind of advantage with that. Um, He saved that game against the Cubs 
you know, the second game of the two game set where he ran into the brick wall they got out there in center field. He said the couple Cubs runners would have scored. They probably wouldn't have scored again. They would have lost. I think it would have been like five to four or something like that. They ended up winning four to three, I want to say. But the fact that, like, we know he has this cannon. We've been told by scouts for five years that he's got this cannon in the outfield, and we haven't seen it at the MLB level. And it's exactly no. what you just said. He plants under it and throws it all arm when he's got, if he were to, like, really a step back catch and throw all at like how they teach you in little league. I can't see how he's not plugging. And he doesn't hit his cutoff man either. He doesn't hit the cutoff man. He wants to like try to make the throw himself. You know, he's got to go back to basics when it comes to that stuff. We want him to be a five to a player. He can be, but he doesn't have that right now. He doesn't have that arm that you're scared of. And he doesn't have the mind. I'm not crapping on Luis Roberts brain at all, but he doesn't have the mind right now to slow it down where he's just trying to make the big play himself. And I think that's where he needs to work on it for sure. Adam Engel's really good. Go ahead, Gonzo, sorry. I was going to say his instincts are there, but just getting back to the mechanics, he's got no crow hop to his game. And when you're in tagging situations, you got to measure yourself up to make that angle, to make that crow hop throw to the plate. Um, You don't see that at all from him. And like, Gordon was saying he's throwing off his back foot out in the outfield, all arm. And like you said, Joe, you know, those five tool players, I'm sure that's something he can put in his game and get back to it. That's going to oh, probably yeah, take can... an off season. That's going to probably take an off season though, of getting that mechanics back into it and uh, putting that into his game. I don't think that's something you can just do in a season, um, but it would be nice to see because with all the tools that he has to offer, I mean, he can definitely, be better than that gold glove that he won um, in the first place. I mean, you see a guy like Vladimir Guerrero, a guy from the past, but that's a guy that mechanics are all there, and that's the arm you kind of expect from Luis Robert from what we've been hearing of the arm that he has. For sure. I'm looking at his career stats right now. He's played 157 games. I'm smiling because this guy's just – he's going to be so good. 157 career games, 30 homers, 91 RBIs. The, the strikeouts are the big issue, 160 and, and 40 walks. But he's hitting 292, 21 of 25 in stolen bases, and he's got a gold glove. This, wow. The guy's potential, it, it like literally is Mike Trout. His, his ceiling is Mike Trout. He'll never have the same patience at the plate and that, you know, like 450 on base percentage that Trout has. But other than that, they're – very similar in what they can bring to a team. Like he's going to be like an eight war player perennially. Not to mention that we even bring up, but there's even a little communication issue out there in the outfield with them. I know we've seen it a little bit with Eloy, but last night he almost ran into Pollock and left. Well, they stopped right in front of each other that that ball dropping between them. But then even the ball hit the right field with Engel out in the warning track there. I know, Robert took it, but that was even a close one too. That of them nailing each other out there. So I'm not sure if that's just the language barrier, maybe, but something needs to be uh, talked about out there with communication. Yeah. Getting the yeah. chemistry built up. Yeah. Yep. And so there were some players that weren't as good this week, but you know, for every tough player, when you have a good series against the New York Yankees, there's always going to be good players that came through, and we will talk about those good players on the put it on the board 
just yeah, just when we're talking hitters, just one of them. <laughs> we're gonna put it on the board. Player of the week. Ball hit deep. Way back. He looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. And what a week it was uh, for that one player, which I I have a feeling. We all know who that is, and, and Slavko knows who it is, so we'll go ahead and just let him go ahead and, and gloat about the magnificent Tim Anderson. What a week T.A. had, Slavko. I mean, I don't really know how much I can add about the guy. I, other than calling out like one of my good friends uh, and then deleting the tweet, but um, I'm still hoping that you know eventually he'll address that in some capacity. I think it's water under the bridge for sure for both of them. I Actually, I know it is for at least one of them. Um, but, uh, I mean, golly, this guy, what can he not do? Clutch yeah. hitting, big home runs, running the bases, yeah. his defense since, I mean, if you take away the, the, I think it's two series against Cleveland where he's really like kind of pooped his pants defensively. Other than that, he's been better defensively. Like the, some of the range, the plays that he's ranging up the middle or even in the hole at short, he had like that. I hate to say it, like the Derek Jeter type jump throw the other day. Just um, the, he just does it all. He sets the tone for this team, both as a leader verbally and as a leader on the field. He's the only guy on this lineup so far this season, and you know, realistically, that includes Robert. We've talked a lot about how great of a season he's having, but he's still got like a seven sixty OPS. Like it's it's really good, but it's not what we're hoping or what we think he's ultimately going to be. I, Tim Anderson objectively has been one of the top few players in Major League Baseball this season, uh, certainly in the American League, and no doubt about it, he has been the top player on the Chicago White Sox this season. As he goes, the offense goes, um, his plays set the tone. They He brings energy to the clubhouse, to the dugout. I mean, yeah, you're just kind of running out of things to talk about with him because he's just that that good. He really is, and he's had a hell of a week. And uh, it's it's hard to nominate anyone else, but naturally, I'm going to make the other three guys here pick someone else. Um, Gonzo, I I know you mentioned you had an honorable mention. Uh, who are you going to go with, Gonzo, for your putter on the board player of the week? That's not Tim Anderson. Yeah, no doubt. As much as I love Timmy, I got to go with uh, AJ Pollock. Um, guy that was in a slump is starting to turn it around this past week and that's something you'd love to see um and i wouldn't be surprised if you see tony putting him up up in the lineup um kind of where he, he was at before injury uh, wouldn't be a bad idea um but yeah i think uh with aj turning around here that's just another lethal bat in the lineup um, coming around here yeah this this guy's a veteran a scrappy veteran and the he he's gonna really help this team when when other guys get cold. And I think this could be the guy, not that I want to say he's going to be all the time, but when TA gets cold, maybe AJ Pollock's the kind of guy that can keep the team warm. You know, when, I don't know, I think it's a best case scenario, but he's one of those veteran guys you got to look at for leadership. So hopefully he's getting that chemistry up in the clubhouse, but I love that pick Gonzo. Vinny, who are you going with for your put it on the board player of the week? I'm going to take Michael Kopech. I think Kopech has been, just outstanding this season. He's second in Major League Baseball in earned run average. The only person ahead of him is thousand-year-old Justin Verlander, who just seems to 
really have it all figured out so far this season. And Justin Verlander is going to walk to the Hall of Fame with ease. I mean, this is a World Series champion, Cy Young Award winner, like all-time great pitcher. And he's the only one ahead of Michael Kopech in the ERA title standings right now. Um, his last week against the New York Yankees obviously was yesterday. Seven innings pitch, no earned, one hit, two walks, six Ks. Six Ks against the Yankee lineup, although it was missing Donaldson and uh, Joey Gallo, which Joey Gallo would probably just add. The COVID to list. Out. Yeah. You know, COVID's running around New York a little bit. But, you know. Because now Donaldson has it. I don't know if you guys knew that. Donaldson on the COVID list as well, which is definitely not funny. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really liked Michael Kopech's week. Even if you go back to last Sunday, I know we had a show on Monday of last week as well. But 12 straight innings pitched against New York Yankee bats. He, I think he went. There was a perfect game worth of straight retired batters in there. I believe he went. 30 something straight hitters between both games combined just out no walks nothing and then of course the dj lemayhu double he had a couple walks after that yesterday but three earned runs in 12 innings against the yankees and back-to-back starts and it was because of one bad inning where he walked a couple guys really for the most part i'm, I'm liking what i'm seeing from michael kopech i know lucas giolito and dylan cease are the two most prominent arms in the white Sox rotation right now i think if the playoffs started today they'd be one and two but what I see from Michael Kopech is like a potential $250 million arm. I'm being dead serious when I say this stuff. He is unbelievable the way the fastball moves and the junk that he surrounds it with. It makes him so unhittable that when guys do make contact, it's like a little bloop to Mancata and he makes an easy play. And, you know, it, it's not like when Keuchel miss. If Michael Kopech misses his spot, it's still hard to hit because it's going 97. Sure. And, you know, Slavko, you brought up about how yesterday the velocity was up a little bit. The the arms juiced a little bit. He, you know, dad strength is full of force. You know, first <laughs> game back after having a kid, guys, always, if it's hockey, they have a hat trick. I remember Patrick Sharp had like three. Did it twice. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And so, like, just dad strength is real, Joe. You're a dad. I'm sure you felt real good after the first week. Michael Kopech was feeling good. I did. Um, that's amazing to me, though, because what can Michael Kopech do if he starts a playoff game with the with the arm juiced a little bit, the crowd's looking good, sounding good? That's a great sign to me that he's able to ramp it up when it's a big stage. I'm in love with Michael Kopech. It won't shock me at all if he's the ace by the end of the season or at the start of next season. And then you'll get people arguing on Twitter.com over who the ace of the team is. Well, if Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, and Michael Kopech all have ace-level stuff because – Major League Baseball defines an ace as being a full run under league average ERA. All three of the, all four of those guys can absolutely do that. They're all definitely. Aces in my book. Man, Vinny, I like it. I, I'm feeling so much optimism and excitement now. I feel like I should go knock down a wall somewhere. When I saw Kuda um, tweet about having the third best record in the American League since May 1st, I was like, really? It was just a bad April. You know, well, just think about it. Think about how bad we've been with runners in scoring position, yep. and we're still a game over 500. Yep. That's insane. True. Yep. And so I'll take that every day. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series last year. They were 19 and 21, just like the White Sox were before yesterday. There you go. More optimism. I, I feel it. And I got more optimism here with my player of the week. I'm going to go with a guy who's been ice cold to start the year, but Jose Abreu turning things around. You know, seven for 23, batting over 300, five ribbies, four runs, and a big home run. 
hopefully Pito's coming back to being himself and he gets to play the Cubs three times or sorry, two times this weekend, his favorite team. So I feel like uh, he always beats up on them. Um, maybe more good things to come from Pito this week and hopefully that bat stays hot and the offense stays hot. So we'll see what goes on there, but, uh, man, been a been 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 a good week offensively. Well, I don't want to say good week. It's been a better week <laughs> offensively. Um, we'll know when we get a good week. Maybe when Eloy comes back and everyone else is on the same page, that we'll start putting everything. up. I think it will. I really do. Think I honestly believe everything. that he's so strong and powerful, and he was just starting to like look like Eloy again before he hurt himself. Like he had that big home run. I just can't wait to see him back. I I think the sky's the limit for him. And then even if he takes a minute to get going, the the mere threat of him makes a Mankata better, a Grandal better. If Eloy's batting sixth and Grandal's batting fifth, Grandal's getting better pitches to hit or they're pitching around him a little more. It it just, I, I, I can't wait for him to come back. I'm counting down the days, even though Hector Gomez was already wrong about it being two weeks. The deeper yeah. this lineup is, the more protection that they'll get top to bottom and the and the more you nailed it, the better pitches that everybody's gonna see outside of, you know, like maybe Sheets or, you know, Harrison or Larry if they're betting seven, eight, nine, something along those lines. But even a Sheets is a guy that can make you pay against a right-handed pitcher. Um, you know, it's it's wild to me that we still don't we're 40 games in. We don't really have a good gauge on this White Sox team yet. We think we might have a good idea. The starting pitching has been strong. You think that the bullpen's going to be a strength. This lineup is too talented to be as bad as they have been. TA is going to come. I don't even want to say come back down to earth because he's on a different planet regardless. But when he cools off, you're going to need other guys to step up. It's nice that Pollock's coming around. Nice that Abreu's start, starting to come around. You're hoping Aloy comes back. But isn't it weird how like series to series, you, your perspective changes so much about this team? Winning three of five against the Royals did not make me feel good. Seeing Gonzo's tweet about 13 and seven since May 1st made me feel better. But then you think about the offense and how much it's struggling on the whole. And then you're like, eh, I still don't feel good. And then you sweep a doubleheader on a Sunday in, in New York at Yankee Stadium, and then you feel really good again. I still don't know what the ceiling for the, well, the ceiling for this team is 100 wins and a World Series. That's a fact when everything yep. is clicking and everything's going right. But they have not been that team since this roster was assembled and since we were essentially raising the bar of those expectations starting in 2021. 2020, you can say whatever. They, with pretty much any other manager, they probably win game three against the Athletics and then who knows what happens from there. And then who knows how you look at 2021. Brian Goodwin, Billy Hamilton, and Jake Lamb helped carry the White Sox offense for a good uh, chunk of the first half last season to the best record in the American League Central, and I think it was an eight-game lead at the All-Star break. Since then, they've really been – since the All-Star break, they've been barely over 500 uh, on the whole. I don't know. I I feel good about the pitching. I feel good about the talent in the lineup, but I still don't know. The fact that they're so bad against the AL Central this year is concern. The fact that Abreu is struggling as the way he has in Mancata, it's a concern. But it's also only 40 games. We have 120 to go. I have a feeling this team is going to be fine, but it's crazy how much your perception shifts game to game, lineup to lineup, series to series so far this early in the season. 
There's been a large heaping plate of ass for the, uh, most of the first 41 games of the season, and they should have won on opening day against the Detroit Tigers if Pollock would have caught yes, the they ball. they should have. They should have won that game where they were up 8-2, to two and Joe absolutely jinxed the crap out of them on the show. Sorry. And told the, and told the fans, enjoy the win when there was still You jinxed the Josh there. Naylor game? Oh, the Josh yeah. Naylor game is one billion percent Joe's fault. It's hilarious. hang on, hang on. I got to, I got to, I got to play. Go ahead, Vinny. Yeah. You finish your thought, and then I'll show him the yeah. video. Slavko oh, needs to see that for sure. He's also going to cry. If they do make it to the playoffs this season, you will be happy that it happened in retrospect, knowing that this video is out there. Really quick though, <laughs> they have a couple. They have a couple other wins just like that where they absolutely should have won. I hate that a DJ LeMahieu short porch home run caused them from sweeping the New York. There are just so many little, little, little things that could have them, instead of being one game over 500, be six games over 500. And that would have them in first place in a very, very bad American League Central division. They'd be in the top 10 of everyone's power rankings. Sometimes in baseball, an inch is the difference between being you know, a first place team or a second place team. They're like I said, a large heaping plate of crap all season long, and they're still over five hundred and one of the better teams in May so far. So and I think there's just so much more good ahead. There is, and and this this put on your socks video is the morning after I I jinxed the game, Vinny. I'm going to cut off your portion of it again at the end in the interest of time. Sure, but it gave me great content, Slavko. So at least I have this. Uh, it's hysterical. I jinxed it. So enjoy. of us we're wishing you a great evening uh, and enjoy this white Sox win they're up eight to two in the bottom of the eighth barring a total collapse which if this happens then i'm going to kick myself but let's go white Sox. let's sweep the guardians and let's go kick some yankee ass this week let's go white Sox. let's do it see you next week And then what happened? I made a very angry video. I don't know if you know our little put on your socks thing that we do every yeah. day. It, I, my video, I was so mad. I, I don't think I've wow. – there's a couple other times I've been equally as mad at the White Sox, the Royals game from a couple years ago when we thought they were good in 2016 and they were winning 9-1 to going in the ninth and they blew it to the Royals. It was a day Saturday game. You might remember. I know it's a while back now, but that game I was that mad. Um the Cody Parkey game, I was that mad. You know, just there are certain games you watch of your favorite teams that you get that angry. That was one of them for sure. Yeah. Wow. And <laughs> and then they got their ass handed to them by the Yankees at home. So Yeah, it was really, I yeah. just totally Thanks, murdered. Joe. I murdered yeah, They the did teams. win the next day though. They won the Giolito start the next day. Um, against Cleveland. Naylor against did Cleveland, hit a home correct. run again. Yes, yes, yeah. But the the Yankee series was not it was definitely just, a follow-up. I messed up their vibe totally. It's all my fault. But speaking back, of things, though. they're that's right. They're back. And speaking of them being back, we're going to preview the week that's coming up in a segment we like to call White Sox Weekly.
Yes, and our buddy Gonzo, if you're still here with us, I believe you are, we'll let you take it away and a quick preview of the week coming up. And, of course, we lead things off here with the Boston Red Sox. And go take it away, Gonzo. Yep, this is White Sox Weekly presented by yours truly. And we start off the week at home versus the Boston Red Sox in a three-game series Tuesday through Thursday. Game one is going to be Nick Pavita versus Dylan Sheesh Nasty Cease. And uh, this will be an exciting game to start it off with our boy Cease, who, in my opinion, is the ace. I know me and Vinny will go probably debate that across this season. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very interested in this uh, this Boston series because they're uh, they're kind of on fire right now, and uh, I'm hoping yes, Justin are. Lee. I'm hoping Justin Lee in the chat betrays our White Sox, um, so the tides turn on them again. I'm so mad at him. Sorry, Gondra, <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off. I'll let you finish, and then I'll tell you why I'm mad at that guy. And then um, game two on Wednesday is likely going to be Rich Hill, the Southpaw, versus um, Lucas Giolito. Um, Hopefully, Sox and just in these two games alone, I like the matchups here for the boys. And then game three is going to on Thursday is going to be Michael Waka versus what could potentially be Vince Velasquez. If that's how things are lining up, um, I'd be really interested to see if Tony changes the rotation or does something with it. Um, but if things go as lined up, he's going to be our pitcher in game three. Um, yeah, just like I said, guys, I really like those matchups so far for two of those three games. Yeah. Um, I know Waka's off to a great start, but uh, he's definitely a guy that can lose it, and uh, I'm glad the boys are at home to go against this hot Boston team. And then, sadly, I don't know why we always have to – lately we face the Cubs for two games. I don't know what the MLB's doing. They need to change that. So we, fa- we play them three times or six games total all in the summer. Um, maybe eventually we'll get back to that. Um, I think it's an every other year thing, right? Isn't it two year, two times? It's it's whoever it's when the White Sox are playing the entire NL Central division. They play the Cubs three times, one at each park. When they play a different National League division this year, it's the NL West. Then they only play them two times. The MLB throws a bone at the two Chicago teams. Every team in the league has a National League team they play every year, no matter what. For the Yankees, it's the Mets. For the Royals, it's the Cardinals. I believe the Twins play the Brew Crew. So it's, you know, that that's how that goes. But I believe we're playing every team starting next year. Nice. Nice recap, Vinny. I like it. But on to the Cubs series, Gonzo. Yeah, I was going to say thanks, Vinny, for the update. But actually, before I touch on the Cubs here, um, for the offensive bats-wise for Boston, uh, watch out for Devers. That's the hot bat for them right now. And we kind of saw in the last series versus the Yankees that story. Tony X, Tony X, I got, well, Story's got the power, but he's hot altogether, too. Altogether, Devers has all the numbers right now for them. But uh, in that Yankee series, we actually saw Tony pitch around Stanton. So I'd be curious if, I don't think he will, but he might pitch around maybe Devers. But um, to go to the two game series on the weekend, um, game one on Saturday is lining up to be Wade Smiley versus Dallas Keuchel. And, again, I know things could change with this how this rotation is going right now, but this is what's lined up up at the moment. Um, I am kind of hoping that Vince gets the boot because I really want to see Kopech on Sunday because at the moment it's looking like 
Drew Smiley versus Cueto. Um, altogether, though, I think the Sox, no matter what the pitching matchup is going to be, I think they should take two versus the Cubs. And um, Patrick Wisdom's the bat right now for the Cubs. Uh, he's got nine home runs on the year. Um, he's the youngster that uh, is doing work in their lineup. Yes, he certainly is. It's uh, it's, it's going to be an exciting week. Uh, the, there's a lot of excitement now around this Sox team, especially after TA silencing the Yankees. Slavko, what are you looking for this week coming up with this team? What are you looking to see out of these guys against the Red Sox and the Cubs? Uh, continue. Well, I mean, the Red Sox series is an interesting one just because their their lineup is so hot right now. You can't let Trevor Story beat you. I think six of his last nine hits have been homers. Um, he's, yeah, uh, up until, like, you look at his numbers on the whole this season, most of his home runs and RBIs have come in the last five or six games. Um, yeah. Devers is definitely, you know, like, he's their star, so to speak. Bogart sets the table. He's in a lot of ways, kind of like their Tim Anderson um, and, you know, how he sets the table for that lineup. They're, I do like the pitching matchups. I agree with you. You know, facing Rich Hill should be an advantage with this White Sox team against the lefty. If you win one of the two against the right-handers, you're in good shape. You should sweep the Cubs in a two-game series, no matter who you have on the mound. Um, I guess, the, you know, the, the wild card is potentially some rain in the middle of this week which always makes my life a living hell at work. But uh, other than that, I mean, don't let Story beat you. Win two out of three against the Red Sox, sweep the Cubs uh, uh, on the weekend at home, and you're you're looking pretty good coming into the week after that. It's a beautiful thing. It certainly is. And I also I also got to point out the Yankees lost to the Orioles today. I think that makes us all feel a little bit better wow. too. Six to four, Yankees lose to the Orioles, so. They also lost to them for the first series that they lost in the year. So this is quite interesting to see. Maybe we're starting to un- unravel the, the Yankees. I don't know. We can, we'll take credit for it. Somebody's got to do it. Donaldson seems <laughs> to be doing that on his own. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. They, they, they kind of punched on their lineup today, too. If you go look at their lineup outside of Judge Rizzo Stanton, it, it's not your typical like Yankee bomber lineup that we're used to. But when the uh, the White Sox play the Red Sox, it's interesting. It's two teams that just despise the Yankees right now playing against each other. And then, you know, I just think it's important to note the White Sox didn't face um, Waka in the other series. He's out to a tremendous start this season, 3-0 record, 1.73 ERA. He was a little bit of a scratch there. On, I think it was on Mother's Day when he was scratched and didn't play. The White Sox should be able to beat these guys, but they're hot. You know, I'm writing an article right now, tomorrow. Different Red Sox team than you saw a week and a half ago or whatever it was at this point. They got to come out and play their best baseball against them. Gonzo brought up Devers. The Red Sox knew what they were doing when they traded Moncada for sale. They sure did. Devers is just – and I'm not – I do think Moncada is a good player. He was the number one prospect in baseball. He's not living up to that necessarily, but he's a very good player. Devers is a superstar. J.D. Martinez is hitting bombs all over the place. Um, you know, I really like the makeup of that lineup. Trevor Story hitting is impressive. Luckily, two of the three games are the White Sox, two, two of the three best White Sox pitchers. Then going against the Cubs, he brought up, um, what's his name, Patrick Wisdom. Michael? Oh. No, Patrick Wisdom doing work. Ian Hapsman just as good too. Ian Hapsman incredible. 
So these two guys got White Sox pitching's got to contain them. I'm betting the over on both of the games, I would say. But you never know if Cueto shuts them down. So I appreciate the preview. It's an interesting week ahead. They should be able to take four out of five. But we thought that with the Royals and, you know, we saw what happened. But in an ideal world, they take the first two from Boston. Anything could happen in that Waka versus Velasquez game. And then you got to take two from the Cubs. They're, they're, if, I mean, bad teams beat good teams in baseball all the time. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the White Sox got to at least play well against the Cubs. They got to score some runs. Guaranteed right field is going to be popping. It's a weekend series. It's going to be nice weather. You got to beat the Cubs at home. If you need, anyone needs two tickets for Sunday, I'm selling two tickets. At Joe Mandel on Twitter.com. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Forget StubHub. There's no fees with me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Bringing it back full circle, uh, we're going to bring it to our last segment of the show, and that is our hot topic uh, debate. We like to call it the guaranteed take. Yeah, that's right. I know every time it comes on, I'm just like mm, feeling the vibe. But uh, today's guaranteed take, the White Sox, as of today, are 21 and 20. They are four games back of the Minnesota Twins, who are 25 and 16. True or false, this White Sox team will be in first place by the end of June. Slavko, I'll let you go first since you're our guest. How do you feel here? Uh, I don't know their schedule very well off the top of my head for, um, for June, but I don't, I guess I'll, I'll kind of circle circumvent the question. I don't believe in the twins. If, if that helps, which I think it does for the white Sox. number one, how much more are you going to get out of some of these young starting pitchers that have no real track record? Number two, Chris Archer, don't buy it. Um, I, and I just, I just don't think on paper that they're as good as the White Sox. Uh, I think that's just a plain fact. I, I think the White Sox roster is much better. Oh, God, that's way too small. Uh, okay, Toronto's tough. Tampa Bay underperforming. Dodgers, that's going to be a tough series. You should beat Texas. You should beat Detroit. Houston, I think they're going to go in with a big chip on their shoulder there. Again, Toronto. Baltimore, if you don't sweep four, you should win at least three out of four. And then the Angels. I mean, if you're pitching well, you should um, you should have a really good chance against the Angels. Um, man, I don't know. I you've got to win in your division. I guess the bummer is that there's no real division games outside of Detroit in um, in June, which again you should beat the crap out of that team because they suck. Period. Offensively, pitching, everything, they just stink. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll say yes. By the end of June, the White Sox. I don't. I can't say they will be, but they they really should be. I, I'm with you there, Vinny. Do you agree? I want to agree. The White Sox are a better team on paper than the Minnesota Twins. I'm not certain that Byron Buxton will play an entire season, as we have seen injuries be a problem for him over the course of the last couple seasons. But I pulled up the Minnesota Twins schedule, and although I do not think the Minnesota Twins are a first place team, I think they are a second place team. And a second-place team should be able to beat the Detroit Tigers, who they play two of their next three series against. And smack dab in the middle of those two series with Detroit 
is a four-game set with the Kansas City Royals. If the Minnesota Twins went 8-2 and two in that stretch, I would be 0% surprised. Then they got the Toronto Blue Jays, who I do believe are a better team than the Minnesota Twins. Then they got the New York Yankees, who are a better team than the Minnesota Twins and have their number no matter what the standings look like. And then the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay, Tampa Bay Rays are a top five team in the American League, in my opinion. I think the Seattle Mariners are the most overrated team in Major League Baseball right now. You know, they won 90 last year. Nice story. Some fun players on the team. I enjoy watching them, but I'm not, you know, scared of them by any means. Then they got the Arizona Diamondbacks. Then I think the Twins are probably better than the Guardians. They can at least score better. So if they get halfway decent pitching, they could beat them. I'm not sold on the Colorado Rockies. And then another four against the Guardians to end June. So it's it's a little bit more favorable of a schedule for the Minnesota Twins. The White Sox have that three-headed monster series in a row with I want to say you said it was the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, and the Rays back to back to back. That's tough. But you know yeah, what else so is get, tough? You, New York or Toronto, New York, Tampa Bay for the Twins. So each team has like a tough three-headed monster series smack dab in the middle of this late May, June portion of the schedule. But then there's a couple easy peasies for each team in there. You would think. I think mm. the White Sox are more likely on January or June 6th to get – Lance Lynn back that day. Maybe he provides a spark to the team. I'm going to go yes, just based on the virtue of I think the White Sox are a better team than the Twins. But I don't think the Twins are going to be, you know, dying anytime soon here unless they have some catastrophic yeah. injuries. Their schedule is favorable for the next month or so. It is. And that's and that's why I'm going to be the one guy on the show that's going to say that they will not be in first place at the end of June they get five. They get to play the, the Blue Jays five times, the Dodgers three times, and the Rays three times in June. But in July, they play San Francisco, Minnesota, Detroit, Cleveland, Minnesota, Cleveland, Colorado, and Oakland. At the end of July, the White Sox will have at least a five-game lead in this division. I strongly believe that, but not at the end of June. You're uh, banking on big wins over Minnesota head-to-head matchup there because they're in that month for them they have baltimore which who stink but texas is okay milwaukee's good they play them four times and then the padres so you're you definitely could be on to something there i'm banking actually, on the head-to-head wins i'm with joe on this and like knowing now what minnesota has and the fact that the white Sox only have i think one um opponent in june within the division with detroit i'll say i'm with you on that i think Minnesota probably stays in first through June, but the White Sox by the end of July, if not the all-star break, should be in first place. They just have more talent than everybody else in the division. Um, and it's tough to make up four games when you're not playing teams in your division, and it's tough to make up four games when you're not playing the team that's ahead of you um, until, what, like six weeks from now. So um, I, I think you make a good point there, Joe. There's one Thank question you. I have to ask you, though, in response to that. Yeah. What if the White Sox are in first place at the end of May? Let's say Detroit. It really is the end of May. <laughs> they have a lot. They exactly. They have a lot of talent. We. I came into this season thinking Detroit comes in second place in the division. That was just wow. my bad. That was my bad take that I have since rescinded and no longer agree with. But then the Royals played the White Sox pesky. Why can't they play the Twins pesky? They, you know, so. You know, we'll see. The White Sox have Boston and the Cubs, two teams they absolutely should be. I don't know. It's it's so hard. I think that the Guardians are going to give them a true challenge in June with the pitching that they have. Um, I really, 
I really yeah. think that the Sox, if they don't take first this month, they'll be tied going into July. Yeah, um, I'm especially with, with especially mm-hmm. with Eloy and Lance Lynn coming back, and the Sox, like I said, they were thirteen and seven this month, and they're starting to turn it with their bats. No, I think the Sox will will do just fine, even with three tough series to begin in June. Um, I'm not really too concerned about the Rays. Dodgers, yeah, they could probably take one or two of that. The actual team that I would uh, be more worried about is Toronto. Yeah, Um, five games against Toronto in June. That's a lot. Toronto is a – I was telling – I know, Vinny, you didn't harp on it yet, but I was telling Justin that the team I'd be most worried about in the AL East is Toronto through the rest of the year. Um, I'd agree with that. With their rotation and bats. Yeah, the Yankees have a better bullpen, but that rotation means a lot. Not the last couple days. (laughs) Yeah, but they do have a lot of good youngsters. No, I know they do. A lot of good righties. Um, But, yeah, ultimately, I really do think the Sox are going to be taking the division here shortly and running with it. it. It was a Great guaranteed take, gents. Always always good debate and conversation. Slavko, you've given us so much time tonight. We really appreciate you hanging out no with problem. us all evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, of course, before we let you go, we want to let you talk a little bit about what you got going on, uh, things you want to talk about in your career, uh, anything you want to talk about. Of course, you have White Sox, White Sox pregame, all that stuff coming up this week, the lots of stuff, but uh, I'll let you take it away on that front. Yeah, so uh, I just got uh, word maybe two weeks ago that I'm going to be switching from NBC Sports Chicago to NBC5 um, on June 6th officially. So I'll be leaving uh, NBC Sports and I'll be leaving the White Sox pre- and post-game show to run the sports department there at NBC5. So the Monday through Friday news uh, shows, I'll be running all the sports segments there and then Sports Sunday, um, which is obviously the half-hour kind of uh, weekly recap show. So um, taking my talents over there, I guess, to the NBC Tower instead of the dungeon that we have at uh, NBC Sports Chicago. But yeah, so that comes uh, that comes on June 6th. My last show at NBC Sports with the White Sox will be May 31st. Uh, I think that's the Tuesday after Memorial Day. So, um, you know, this should be a fun week against Boston. And um, I hate Crosstown as much as, you know, it's fun for the fans. And there's always so much more hoopla. I just despise working Crosstown just because it's so much extra stuff for games that mean exactly the same as everything else, you know, yeah. in my opinion. That, last. Yeah. And in my opinion, since 05, like when I was a kid, I hated the Cubs. I wanted the White Sox to beat the hell out of the Cubs. Now I really don't care. It's like facing the Reds or any other team that's not in the AL Central. So um, it's just a lot of extra work, but I understand the excitement. I know there's a lot of, you know, split households and split families. So, we give that series as much you know due diligence and justice as it deserves with the excitement that the fans have over it. So um, I guess my last week coming up at NBC Sports and you know always a pleasure to jump on with you guys and I always have a lot of good time or a lot of fun. Yeah, man, we, we can't thank you enough. I wish you all the luck at NBC Five. We know you're going to kill it over there. Um, looking looking forward to seeing you take that next step in the career and just man, that's going to be exciting to see. And uh, you always have a spot here. You're always welcome to join the show. And we, we cannot thank Anytime you enough you for giving want. us so much time. Yeah. No problem it's, at all. No problem at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Slavko, make sure you give him a follow. S. Bekovich, I believe it's E K O V I C on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and give him a follow. 
And uh, that's that's all we got. Slavko, we cannot thank you enough, man. Have a great night and uh, have a great last week. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. What a dynamite guest, guys. Slavko is just unbelievable. Uh, giving us so much of his time. It, it, it's just fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, Vinny, just real quick, I got to get some final thoughts from you before we head out of here. It's so weird talking to a circle of Gonzo. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just weirding me out. <laughs> let, I don't know. You got any final thoughts? Real quick. I'm going to change gears here. I totally lost train of thought. We usually do something fun to end the show. I didn't want to include Slavko on this one because I, you know, first off we took so much of his time. Um, but uh, I, I always, I thought it would be fun if we talked about the summer movie we're kind of most looking forward to. Um, I know there's a lot of big ones coming out. There's some big ones coming out this week. The new trailer just dropped for Thor love and love and uh, thunder a few minutes ago during the Wait, show. What? Yeah, they dropped the new trailer during All right, the middle me of the, the screen. I'm done. See you guys later. Go socks. Just kidding. Appa- apparently, <laughs> it includes the first look as Christian Bear- Bale as the uh, is Gore the God Butcher, which is the villain. Um, so I just got to put it out there. Now that we're done talking White Sox, we might as well talk summer movies because we are in the prime time of summer movies. Gonzo, do you got a summer movie you're looking forward to? If you're still here. I was actually curious on what was exactly coming out because this past weekend I went to go see Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, I heard it sucked. Did it suck? You know, compared to the other three, yeah. Um, It was kind of a letdown because I was kind of I was looking forward to it. Um, But now that uh, I think you got Jurassic Park coming out in June and um, Top Gun coming out this week. Yeah, Top Gun um, Maverick. Yeah, and Top Gun Maverick. That's been a while that it was supposed to come out with the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. Um, similar to how I think uh, the Bond movie took, you know, that took forever and finally came out. But that's one I was looking forward to when it came out. And so um, same with Top Gun. Um, yeah, other than that, I'm not sure there's anything else I'm really uh, looking forward to besides those two movies. There you go, man. Glowing review from the Gonzo. Vinny, have you had time to get your thoughts together on a movie that you're looking forward to? Yes, I have. It's definitely Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I'm a big fan of the MCU. I love it so much that I plan on getting a full tattoo sleeve of of the theme behind the MCU. I literally love it that much. I'm a big fan of this stuff. Um, Tony Stark is somebody I literally look up. The only fictional character I've ever looked up to that I literally can't like call and say thank you is Tony Stark. Like model my life after that guy, be a little funny, care about others, you know, try to be successful. That's why I love that story so much. Um, You know, it's, it's great stuff. So Thor love and thunder. Can't wait to see where he picks up after the events of the Avengers infinity war and end game. And then I'll give a special shout out. Actually, this is going to probably sound weird coming out of my mouth, but my favorite, until Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out, Toy Story 1 was my number one all-time ranked animated movie. Wow. And yeah, it, nice. it, it, it's still number two. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, if those of you haven't seen it, is the best animated movie I've ever seen. But before that came out, I want to say it was like 2018, 2019, something like that. It was Toy Story 1. I cannot wait to see Lightyear. I believe it's June. 
and it's like a live it's not a live action i don't know why i almost said that it's like it's buzz lightyear not as a toy it's like the real story behind the actual superhero of buzz lightyear and chris evans speaking of the mcu mr captain america himself is the voice of buzz lightyear in this movie and i'm actually really excited to see where they go with it so those are the two movies i'm looking forward to seeing most in the summertime there you go man i like that yeah i'm looking forward to the thor love and thunder too i'm gonna watch the trailer probably with my wife when i go up to bed i'm excited to see the full trailer and not just a teaser um but I, I'm looking, you know, this is really, really random to say, and probably not as many people are looking forward to this as I am, but I'm a big fan of the show Bob's Burgers, and the Bob's Burgers movie comes out this Friday as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, I'm looking forward to Top Gun and Jurassic World, like you said. But um, uh, what the heck is the other movie? I got the, I got it right in front of me. Um, special shout out. This isn't a, this isn't a movie per se, but I think Vinny and I know oh, what, what yeah, we're doing this Friday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the yeah. Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi yeah. series premieres oh. this Friday on Disney plus a Ooh. two episode premiere, not just one. So Obi-Wan Kenobi gotta be, well, gotta be the series of the summer special honorable mention to stranger things. The new season as well comes out the same day on Netflix. Lots of good stuff coming. Bold move by Netflix. It is a bold move, but if anyone's going to do it, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, that's true. It's popular. It's wildly popular. Still a bold and, move, though. And it's a great show, but I, you know, I'm going to be making sure I get up. At... I refuse to be spoiled. I no one's going to spoil Obi Wan for me, so I'll be watching every episode at like four in the morning every day because I just I can't have social media ruin it for me. I just can't. You literally can't go on Twitter.com for any of this stuff. You want to check the White Sox lineup? You want to make fun of Tony LaRusso for batting Leary Garcia second? You can't do any of this stuff without seeing spoilers for your favorite TV shows. So, Didn't Mando Season 2 Episode 1 set the all-time record for streaming in its opening day? Any streaming it was, service? It was something like that, but whatever it is, it's going to be destroyed this Friday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And... Hey, shout out Stranger Things. I've always wanted to watch it. I probably will someday. You've never seen it? It's very good. No, I've never seen it. I know I'm interested in the premise of it. So, you know, I'm that guy who likes everything. Like, I'm trying to take in all the entertainment that I can. So, yeah, I'll watch it eventually one day. Yeah, no, it's it's good stuff, man. You'll you'll really enjoy Stranger Things. Um, I also got to say, also wanted to point out, not only is Obi-Wan Kenobi coming out this week, Vinny, it is also Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim. We will be getting tons of Star Wars announcements all week. New shows. Trailer. All that. I'm yeah. sure we'll get a new trailer for something. You mean a Sokatano trailer or something. Star Wars. Def- we're definitely going to get a Tales of the Jedi uh, trailer, which I'm not sure if you're even familiar with what that is. It's been oh, a, yeah. leaked, a show that was leaked. It's going to be an animated show. Mm-hmm. Um don't know much premise other than that, but I'm sure we'll definitely get a trailer for that. And I'm sure there'll be a couple of surprise things. So I'm looking forward to getting all the Star Wars news. I'm a nerd. Vinny's a nerd. We're nerds. Nerd. So. It's cool to be nerds. Jar Binks. You know, I believed that for a good three weeks. <laughs> Me and my brother got in a pretty, na- not nasty argument, but 
every time he saw me, he was like, you still think that? I was like, yep. And then finally, I was like, okay, there's no way. When they were like, Joe, I don't know if you remember when uh, episode seven hadn't come out yet, but it was about to. People were saying Jar Jar Binks was Kylo Ren. And I, I was like, I was starting to get on that wagon. I was like, these movies are going to be terrible. They're going to make Jar Jar. And, I, you know, seven Jar Jar. Yeah, seven, seven exceeded my expectations a lot. I know people don't love the sequels, but man, I, I, the Colorado Avalanche, this is so off topic. They were losing one nothing when you first brought up movies. And now they're up three to one. Devin Taves just scored to make it three to one. I can't believe what I'm watching right now. The Blues are just imploding. Well, hey, you know, what can I say? I'm uh, I'm good at jinxing other teams. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> just the Sox. Uh, um, but no, I mean it's it's good stuff. Star Wars stuff is always great. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi though is gonna be gonna be legit. So the nerd alert, the the nerd radar is off the charts right now, and I'm just excited for Friday. Uh, so we've reached the end of the show, gentlemen. Uh, Robot Circle Gonzo and regular Vinny, we've gotten this far. Um, real quick, I do want to promo our guest next week who just confirmed with us today. Ozzy Gian Jr. will be joining us on the show next week. Going to be a fired up show. Ozzy always knows how to have fun. Don't want to miss it. We have guests lined up up the Yizzy for the next like month plus. I'm not going to give them all away right now. But we'll give away our June 6th. Why not? We'll give away our June 6th because I have a feeling some folks may not tune in on the holiday. But you've got no excuse, but you should anyway. Um, it's also but June 6th, it could be. Uh, I, I forgot to ask Slavko this before he left, but he told me he doesn't think he'll be back by June 6th. But, you know, not, not that far after. Um, but June 6th, we have J.J. Stankovitz joining the show. So, uh, of course, he used to cover the Bears. Now he covers the Indianapolis Colts. But he is a diehard White Sox fan, and it's going to be a great conversation. So two great guests two weeks in a row, and there's going to be more. Hint, hint, spoiler alert. But I also want to talk about a great week coming up on the network. It's a very Vinny Parisi week on the network. You've got Bar Down Blackhawks and Crosstown Crosstalk. Playoff hockey. Vinny knows his hockey. Talk a little bit about that, Vincent. Yeah, so on Wednesday, I'm not sure what the schedule is going to be for Mr. Joseph Parisi because he's dealing with some work-related things right now that have kept him off the show for a couple weeks in a row here, but he'll be back. Uh, Frankie Mueller and I have been really, really heavy into this these playoffs, and it's been so good, guys. I, I'm not going to give away too much of the show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back my guys in Toronto hard um in this show on Wednesday because they were winning game six of their first round series against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the third period and then they took two penalties in a row and Tampa tied it on the power play five on three and won it in overtime and then Tampa won game seven now Tampa swept the president's trophy winners it just makes me feel so bad for Tampa Toronto and I had their backs all season long and me and Frankie are going to discuss it. So that's my little preview of the show. Thursday, we're still cooking up our guest. I can't let it out too much. But 
you know, we're still cooking up a guest a little bit there and hopefully to have an update to people as the week progresses. But yeah, definitely check it out. I'm excited about this. There you week. go. Yeah, good stuff. And of course, you got Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Um, there's just so many great shows in the network. The Mike North Advantage. You had Mike North on your show last week. Just tons of great stuff. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow us anywhere you can get a podcast or on YouTube. Give us that subscribe button. Mash the like button. All the above. We appreciate it. Uh, Gonzo pointed out to me that I totally forgot about the pick to click segment. So let's go ahead and do that now so we can get out of here. I forgot to ask Zim his pick, so we'll just make one for him. But I picked Tim Anderson last week, so I finally win. Yay me. Uh, it only took this long into the season. So updated standings. Vinny 2, Gonzo 3, Zim 1, Joe 1. So with that said, I'm going to go first. And I'm going to make an unsolicited pick. I'm going to go with AJ <laughs> Pollock. I, I like unsolicited picks. I'm going to go with AJ Pollock. I'm really feeling his vibe lately. I think he's turning it around. Um, I know it could come and bite me, but I feel like it's going to pay off. So I'm going to go with AJ Pollock. Um, who else? Who did you guys pick last week? Just so we I can had see. Cease. You had Cease. Uh, Vinny, you had Mancata. All right. So I guess, I guess Gonzo gets to go next. Gonzo, who are you going to go with? I was gonna go with Pollock, but you beat me to the punch. Oh shit! So, All right. Wow, lots of Pollock love um, on this show, eh? Yeah, I'm just gonna go with Timmy just because I got nothing else to go with other than my hope of Pollock. So I'll oh, go with okay. Timmy. I didn't think you were gonna take it. I'm stunned. All right, well, I guess I beat you to the punch there for once. That's um, what winning does. When you win, you get to go first. That's the way it rolls. It is. Yeah. It feels good. It feels really good. I hope it happens again next week. That's so. <laughs> Um, you know what? So Gons- I do too. Because if Pollock has a big week, that means the White Sox probably had a big week. If Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, if they have big weeks, that doesn't necessarily always mean the White Sox have big weeks. Those guys have big week, big weeks all the time. A guy like Pollock can be an X factor. So go, Joe. Very true. Thank you, sir. Not um, that I don't want Gonzo or Zim to win, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Zim Zim took Kendall Graveman and Vinny took Mancata. Who do you think had a worse week? Probably Mancata, right? Oh, uh, they Graveman. Uh, they both had they both had god awful weeks. We should both get yeah. a negative point for picking them. And Gra- yeah. Graveman, Graveman has the virtue of like at least eating an inning or two. Mancata was really pretty much useless every time he came. That's up so that's that why means- I'm gonna get. That's why I'm gonna give Zim yeah. third pick here. Um, I don't know. We'll just flip a coin. Give him Robert Jose. or Jose. Jose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> give him Grandal just to be a troll. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I won't. You do know that. how he loves his ground doll. Hey, maybe that'll make him hot though. So or if Zim was them. if Zim was here, I have a feeling he would go with Luis Robert. So I'm gonna go ahead and make that pick for him. If he tells me I was wrong, I'll be upset. But it's too too late. Uh, <laughs> if he gets mad at you for picking the best player on the Chicago White Sox, then he should send his text for picks. That goes for everyone. You, you don't get stuck with Louise Robert. You get lucky. That's to fair. Louise Robert. This is fair. That's and very Vinny. generous because I, I would give him uh, Reese McGuire because he loves his catchers and he's getting more. <laughs> he's getting more times behind the dish, and I think he would love it. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, would, play he, a lot would, he would. He would definitely he would hate it. But Vinny, with your last pick, who are you going to go with here? I am going to go 
with ooh, you took all the good hitters for the most part. I'm not gonna take a picture because I think everyone's gonna go once because there's two off days today and Thursday, obviously, and they're running six men right now. So that taking a picture necessarily doesn't work in your favor. I'm literally just coming up with word salad while I think of who I'm gonna take. Guys, Vaughn or Liam. I'm gonna or take Yuri Garcia. Wow. This guy stinks. Okay. <laughs> he stinks. He shouldn't be batting anywhere other than ninth, and he should only be batting ninth once every three games. But we know Tony's gonna play him. He has had tremendous career success against both the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs. I'm taking Leary Legend. Let's go get a weekly dub, guys. I can't believe nobody took Jose Abreu. Good. That means he'll go off and the White Sox can win games because of it. I don't want anyone to have Abreu. I like it, man. I want the White Sox to win more than I want any individual on this podcast to win pick to click, if you guys haven't noticed. There we go, man. I freaking love it. But Eric Fenton makes a good point there. I mean, Reese McGuire, he's got a pretty poopy batting average, but it's not like Zach Collins is batting any better than 191 right now. I'm pretty sure it is. He's I'd much rather have Reese McGuire. Yeah, Reese McGuire is better defensively, which if Zach Collins was hitting 250, but Reese McGuire was hitting 200, but they're both backup catchers, and one is very sound defensively, throws guys out at second base at a pretty a fairly solid clip. And, you know, he frames well, makes all the catches, eats up the ground balls. Michael Kopech's not an easy uh, pitcher to catch by any means, and really neither is Dylan Cease with all the knuckle curves. So shout out Reese McGuire. I'd much rather have that guy. For sure. Going to be an exciting week at the pick the click. Now that we got that segment, and now we can finally wrap the show and put out our shout-outs. Robot Circle Chris Gonzalez, what do you got for us, bud? You know, I was actually – I got to give a shout-out to our guy, Slavko, for coming on for the second time. Absolutely. Um, whenever, whenever we have NBC um, coming up um, to the plate with our guests, they always deliver. And I'm so happy that Slavko shared his um, amazing promotion – um, yeah, uh, we all know that NBC Chicago hires the best, and I know that uh, Slavko is you know, he's earned his uh opportunity to go deliver his own production over at, at uh NBC5, and uh, I'm yeah. sure he's gonna run with the sports section over there. Great opportunity, I know he's gonna take it, and I'm happy for him. Um, yeah, much sports deserved. Sunday is huge, yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm going to go with my girlfriend, Soraya, um, and my support system of my family and friends. Um, also with you guys being able to, uh, bear with me as I go through my connection issues lately. Um, oh, I'm, just no so worries, happy, dude. I'm just so happy to be, uh, with you guys on the show doing this, um, weekly. This is what I look forward to after my long days at work. Um, especially next Monday. I'll probably be actually shoot. I was gonna say Friday I have a double, so I'm not gonna be able to watch the Kenobi until the weekend. But then um, I'm gonna be so happy for Ozzy Junior to come on the show on Monday. I'll be looking forward to that. Um, shout out for Junior for always uh, being with us too. Um, 
I literally messaged him today. Mentions. I literally mentioned messaged him today, and I was like, "Hey, you know, because we didn't have a guest. It's Memorial Day. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to get guests. I'm like, hey, just curious. Would you want to come on? He goes, yes, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I'm like, all right, sweet. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I know he was dying for it because he uh, he messaged me wondering if, when we were going to get him on, and I knew that we would do it eventually. Here, I'll come in here. I'm glad it was uh, next week. But um, yeah, my last shout out, um, kind of to go with uh, similar to what I did with the um, sympathy last weekend with um, Buffalo, but this week, um, just to go off of the whole situation in New York, um, there really is no story that should be even mentioning the race and baseball. And uh, I'm, I'm glad for how Tony stepped up with the team and how the boys backed Timmy and Timmy ultimately being a true leader and standing up for not only himself, but for morality. And um, shout out to the whole White Sox organization. Amen to that, man. Well, very well said. Thank you, Gonzo. And we, the South Burb Sitman, echo that sentiment. There's no place for racism in baseball. There's no place for racism at all in the world. So, uh, Great, great call out there, Gonzo. Uh, Vinny Parisi, time for shout outs. My girlfriend, Katie, she's my best friend and I love her very much. Um, wouldn't be doing any oh. of this stuff without her. So very much appreciated. Shout out to her first and foremost. My parents, Joey, my brother, my co-host, Frankie Mueller as well. You know, Joey and Frankie and I, when Joey's there and the three of us are cooking, I swear there are a few more entertaining things that I get to do besides doing this show with you guys in Crosstown. You know, each show has their own different dynamic. Doing the Wednesday show with my brother and cousin is outstanding. Um, so shout out to them. I believe the three of us are hanging out with our girlfriends tomorrow. So that should be really, really fun. Good times ahead. Um, I'll also give a major shout out to you guys. Of course, this stuff is so fun. I mean, on Monday nights, I get to sit here in front of a computer, drink a nice cold Coca-Cola and talk about my favorite team in baseball with you guys. What what the hell's better than that? So, you know, major shout out to you. I was thoroughly impressed. I had never met Slavko before. I know you guys had him last year before Carlos Rodon threw his no hitter, and I joined the show full time. Thank you, Carlos. Um, <laughs> yeah, I fully. Carlos Rodon is probably the reason I'm here. Like that's it's insane. true. It's insane to think about how like a guy getting a hit could have prevented me from potentially just being on this show, which is incredible. But, um, you know, Slavko, I, he, plethora of knowledge. You don't normally see a guy who's a producer. Dude's a machine. Come on a show and just ramble like that. Like, dude, why, why aren't you hosting one of these shows on NBC Sports Chicago or NBC5? I'd like to see him on a camera. Maybe me and him could start up a podcast one day and talk about, you know, Tony LaRussa full time. We could call it like Tony LaRussa's tidbits or something like that. I don't know. I like that guy. It was fun to talk to him, so shout out him. It was a blast, man. We love Slavko. I like all that sentiment. A huge thank you to our second-time guest, Slavko Bekovic. Give him a follow at Bekovic on Twitter. Dude is absolutely amazing. We wish him nothing but the best at NBC5. We know he's going to dominate the sports the sports news over there. Uh, he's, he's a great producer and full of knowledge, so thank you, Slavko. Uh, as always, I'll give a shout out to my beautiful wife, Catherine, my daughter, four months now, four month old, Audrey, and my two year old, Great Dane, Maverick, 
Uh, today is actually his gotcha day, the day that we picked him up two years ago. So <laughs> shout out to Maverick. Uh, he used to be this big, and now he's 130 pounds. He's a big so, boy. He's a big boy, but uh, he's a gentle giant. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Tim Anderson. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you guys have seen this bobblehead. It's got bobble hands. What? Yeah, it's got little springs on the hands. So you it's know, like he's. I was so mad that day. I was there. And there were people holding seven or eight. I, I honestly think people just steal them. And there was this couple in front of us that had a box of them under their chair. I, I don't. And I didn't get one. I'm as big. I'll toot my own horn here. I'll sound like a little bit of a. A me guy here. I'm a huge White Sox fan. I eat, live, sleep, and breathe this team. I couldn't get one bobblehead, and these people are running out of there with seven, and they're going to go sell them for $80 on eBay? That's what they're doing. Ew. Be better, White Sox. I had a a hookup for this, but I didn't have anybody smuggle it. I I legitimately had a real hookup. Oh, there's one. nothing. Oh. I, I just don't understand how some of these people have like six, seven, eight of these things. And I can't get one when I spent my hard earned money on a ticket and the first yeah. 20,000 are supposed to get one way less than 8,000 people didn't get one way less. Uh, hardly. Yeah, it just seemed like nobody got one. It was just, it's brutal the way some of these people smug this stuff and it just no fun. No fun. Yeah, It's BS. I'm, that's why, like, I'm one of those guys that, like, I, I probably can't do this now that I have a kid. But back in the day, well, back in the day, last year, <laughs> when I didn't have a kid, um, I, I would stand in line, in, like, three hours before and just be, like, the third guy in line. Um, I remember doing that for Hawk Harrelson uh, alarm clock day, and I've done it ever since. So that's a cool alarm clock. I think you told me you just got one, right? Yeah, one was given to me. Shout out, Amy. Happy birthday to you. Um, that was a good little little gift there. I, I enjoy it a lot. And I enjoy people who do this stuff the right way. It's honestly a joke, some of these people. It's just like, how greedy of a human being can you be? Like, the Tim Anderson Field of Dreams home run meant more to me than any home run ever has, I think, in any sport. Like, it just was so cool to see the White Sox win that game on national TV when every sports fan in the world was watching. There was no hockey. There was no basketball. There was no football. And I believe it was the only hockey or baseball primetime game that day. Yep, there was. The White Sox were like the story of sports for five minutes. I wanted that bobblehead so bad and didn't get it. Stupid, dumb. Did I? I, I'm going to pull my camera off here. I don't know if I showed you this. My wife got me this for... For my birthday, nice. it's got sand from the actual field ah, in there. Very yeah, cool. I, I, what a, a present! It's a, it's a cool item. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, the Field of Dream game—it's just amazing stuff. And I'm with you, Vinny. It sucks how greedy people are. Um, I I heard from an inside source at the park that there were Yankee fans that they didn't want their bobbleheads, but they said. And here in Chicago, they care about it. I don't. I only give it to you for eighty dollars, which I think is complete BS. Yeah. But it is what it is. Back to wrapping up the shout-outs. I talked about my wife, my daughter, and my dog. Huge shout out to our guest Slavko. I want to give a massive shout out to the chat room. Everybody that hung out with us all night. 
My dad wants his own bobblehead. <laughs> I would take one. A Mr. Mandel bobblehead. I would put it on my nightstand, and every night before I go to bed, I'd give it a little... Dang. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I actually have a bobblehead of myself upstairs. My wife got it made for our wedding. Uh, she got she got the two of us together. <laughs> well, after our wedding. It's our wedding day, and we got a bobblehead made of the two of us. It's actually uncanny. Uh, I'll send you guys a picture when I go upstairs. But um, that's really all I got. I want to shout out the chat room. You guys have been great. And everyone else in the network, Aldo Gandia, we, we love you guys. And that's all we got. We're way over. We're two hours and 15 minutes. But Slavko, it felt like five minutes. It was a great stuff. Um, massive shout out to him. We wish him the best of luck at NBC5. Vinny, enjoy the game on Wednesday. I hope the weather stays great. I've been looking at the forecast as of today. Sometimes I see rain, sometimes I don't. But nonetheless, Giolito on the mound against the Red Sox should be a good one. Yeah, I'm hoping that the sod father takes care of business. The Italian's on the mound, so let's go get a win. That's it. going to be a big week, Red Sox and Cubs. We'll be back here with you next week on Memorial Day with Ozzy Gian Jr. going to be a great show. Don't miss it, 8 p.m. Central, only here on the Barroom Network. For the South Burb Sitman, I'm Joe Mandel. That white circle over there is Chris Gonzalez. Steven Zim Zimmerman couldn't be with us tonight, but he's always with us in spirit. And the guy at the bottom of the screen is Vinny Parisi. We will see you guys next week. Let's get a White Sox winner all week long. I'm not going to jinx anything. I'm not going to talk about anything else. But let's continue that hot streak. Let's get some more wins in the book. And let's take first place. Let's do it. Why not? And until I can find the credits, I don't know. I can never find them. Here they are. It's time Why to roll the us? credits. Why not us? Let's do it. Let's roll the credits. See you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in and go White Sox.